I have come here to chew bubblegum and podcast. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I mean, just there's no choice. I, I just have to, no choice. have to do it. Look, I, there's a white line. I'm going to walk it. He improvised that. He says he improvised it. Right. Carpenter oh. says he wrote it. But Carpenter wow. is also like, but it's his line, man. I mean, it wouldn't work without him. It, but they, it is funny. They both agree that he wrote it. The disagreement right. is that Roddy is. claimed that he came up with it on the day. And Carpenter right, claimed right. that he was going through Roddy's notebook of like a bunch of wrestling promo lines because he would just <laughs> idly that write down. Sense. He would idly write down lines for promos, and wow. he saw that in there one day and went like, "That's good." Um, I a lot of them, I mean, feel like uh, uh, you know, you look like your head fell in the cheese dip back in 1957, like that. I know it's pointed at that specific woman with that hairdo. But that also feels like something that could have been in his promo book. Yeah, definitely. That's just now funny to think about that, like, uh, just sort of like a big wrestler with like a little moleskin just writing down badass slams. That's what like, it feels you know, like. Yeah. Anytime it yeah. occurs. Yeah. Like he goes that. to the valet and he just like dunks on somebody and then writes it down. I mean, that, that's good. That's good. Yeah, to, that was good. What I said to that guy when I insulted him, that was good. B, I, I know it's part of a bigger line, but telling someone to start eating that trash can is another <laughs> incredible one. <laughs> hey, Ben. What? You better produce this podcast or start eating that trash can. Damn. All right. You mean business. Um, look, our guests today are gentlemen, but they, they should loosen up. Because we, of course, like people to speak before they're introduced on this show. Right. Oh, Not sorry. like they're very strict and regimented show, which where the guest is always quiet. Right. It's a very sorry. formalized show. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Life's a bitch and she's back in heat. Sorry. That's another one. That's another one. That feels like that had to be a Roddy promo line, right? It sounds like it. It's a great line. They're also, they're very different than Carpenter one-liners. Doesn't Duke Nukem steal the bubblegum yes. line? Am I making yes. that up, right? He does. No, I, w I was going to say this. So uh, this yeah. is uh, this is how I found out about They Live, was via oh, wow. Duke Nukem. Wow. Duke wow. Nukem 3D, the first-person shooter where you're, the player character Duke Nukem literally just, ha like, he has all these quips, and these quips are just stolen from movies. So he wow. literally will just be like, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> or uh, or he says, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. And one of his lines were was, I wrote it down because the, the game mangles it a little bit. But in the game, he says, it's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. And me and my friend John Savi, who both played this game, would quote this line to each other. And that's how we backed into our knowledge of the movie They Live. Because we're like, what's I, that from? Oh, it's from oh, They Live. What would Watch you quote it? What were you about to do before you quoted that line? Is my my question. <laughs> um, get her asses kicked. <laughs> <laughs> and you also had plenty of gum. Yeah, uh, lot, lots of gum. Also, by the way, go go ahead and make my day. Actually, was Duke Nukem first? Right. That yeah, Clint, Clint stole, stole that. that. Clint yeah, stole yeah. It. Yeah. He just he was such a Nukem head. That's why. <laughs> My my elementary school friend Gavin had the poster for Duke Nukem 3D on his wall, you know, with wow. him, like with yeah. the two guns where he's shooting down. Wow. And when I was like 10 years old, I was like, that's 
that's a that's the coolest possible thing you could have on your wall. There's nothing it, better than this poster. It kind of still is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might could argue. Be. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll argue like if I if I was on a date and I was lucky enough to be invited back to a woman's place afterwards, <laughs> were uh-huh. I granted the honor. And I saw that on her wall. I would maybe propose marriage instantly. <laughs> and I've never played a She'd Duke Nukem game. She'd be like, get out of here, freak. I know. She'd be like, it's a get test. married? It's a test and you failed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you, if you walked into someone's apartment and they had a Duke Nukem 3D poster in the year yeah. 2021. Right. Right? And we are all men in our 30s. No, Nick, you're in your 40s now? I'm in my 40s, yeah. I'm in my fourth decade. Okay, so three of us. It's rough. Four of us are young men. You're actually in your, <laughs> Nick, I hate to break this to you, but you're actually in your fifth decade. Ah, I you've actually lived you're right. four decades. You've entered yeah, the you're fifth. right. Sorry. You've entered the wow. fifth. Fuck. There, there, are f- there are four young men on this show <laughs> <laughs> filled with joie de vivre. And and one man on the other side. But I think if yeah. anyone in our general age bracket had a Duke Nukem 3D poster today, I'd be I'd be seriously impressed. Right. You would you um, think about marriage. Yeah. Du- Duke very carpentry in general, right? I never played any of these games, but that the the vibe of that feels very or should I say this? Duke Nukem feels very Kurt Russell to me. One hundred percent. That's yeah. that's yeah. the that's the most it, it's not funny. exactly that. Right. Yeah, he's he's funny. He's funny. He's got quips, you know, again, just stolen from other movies. Mm. Uh but he's but he's like he's he's a uh, he's an exaggeration of the action hero. He's right. like a, you know, kind of a a self-aware parody of the the action badass. It, it's very Kurt Russell. It seems like pretty directly pulled from Big Trouble in Little China, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And 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 Snake Plissken, it's maybe like a 50. Although I mean, fucking yeah. Solid Snake is is pulled from Snake Plissken. It yes. is funny. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but for a movie that is so uh, kind of uh, anti-capitalist, the biggest running theme I feel across uh, what the ten episodes we've done so far, mm. these these couple Good of months we've already spent digging into Carpenter is every single episode, every bit of research we do, there is at least two anecdotes about him being angry that he didn't get paid for something. <laughs> right. Uh, sh- yes. yes. And th- this one, Griffin, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a shepherd fairy, right? He jokes about Correct. that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He goes, that shit, he should pay me. Like any anyone who is inspired by his work, he argues should pay him. And then there's a quote here in the dossier about Carpenter being like, no, I mean, come on. I love making money. <laughs> I'm a total I'm a pig in shit. Are you kidding me? It's it's his whole thing. We're all sellouts. That just 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 because he hates it doesn't mean he's not also like, yeah, maybe I'm a sellout. Who cares? Pay me. He just wants to play his right. video games. It's the system we we have to live within. It, it's the obey thing, though. The Shepherd Fairy thing. It yeah. just yeah. is obey from the it movie. Is obey. It's just like lifted from the production design. Right. It's just like that. Was it? It's a is it a matte painting? It's just the same thing. Yeah. It, also, my 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 thing is is like, oh, that would be a cool poster to have a they live like obey poster. But now it's Shepherd Fairy is now it's just it's it's over. Yeah. It's over. You can't do it anymore. Right. Yeah, he made it not cool. It is wild that he has built such a career for himself off of like fucking decals, right? Like, <laughs> sure. Like, I, you know, I grew up in fucking New York City. I remember seeing those things pop up when they started, when it was just like, that's a striking sticker. Yeah, and it, it was, was the just, Andre the Giant. Right. With the Obey. So he, right. Yeah. he took a guy's yes. fucking face yep. and he took 
a fucking typographical logo from a different movie and he put them together and he built a fucking mm. empire on it. And when it was yep. like some weird underground thing popping up on like fucking lamp posts and whatever, you were like, oh, cool. And then when he's d- doing, I don't know, Supreme collabs or whatever, you're like, he should be paying DeAndre the Giant estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he should. Agreed. I agree with that. Uh, Griffin, introduce our podcast. This is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. Oh, yeah. I'm David. Hell yeah. Yeah. You're exciting. excited today. I am excited. I saw a good movie this morning. They I'm live? Here with my friends, the Doughboys. Uh, well, no, I saw They Live Yes. I saw uh, Memoria. I saw a pitch upon We're a set of... Th- we're a set of... You know, I, I, oh, I'm trying my best. A, a name, movie most movie. people will have to wait 15 years to see. Sure, yes. Well, I just saw it and I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> Uh, do you guys know about this, uh, Nick and Mitch? I'm going to introduce you in a second. You haven't been introduced yet. Uh, no, what is it? I don't know about it either. This yeah, guy's new movie, uh, they announced that th- th- it's never going to be released on streaming. It's never going to be released on home video. It's never going to be rentable. Their plan is to I, have By it. the way, I, I, would, I would assume none of that is true. I agree. That's what I'm they're just saying. saying what right, they're right. saying. That's what they're saying. What they're yeah. saying is that this movie is just going to play in theaters indefinitely. But it's like only it. going to play at one theater at a time. It's going to play one scream It'll at a be time. A road a, show. It's an open-ended right. road show. It will never play in more than one screen, one theater, one city at a given time. Wow. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it, too. Why yeah, not? people are mad, but it's like, I don't know. His last movie was in two theaters total, basically. So it's not exactly... Uh, you know, but anyway, who knows? All I'll say is, if it's ever in your town, go see it. It's two hours and fifteen minutes long. Tilda Swinton listening to noises. It's great. And here's what I'll say: This is a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. Yes. This is a mini-series on the films of John Carpenter. It's called They Podcast. We have finally arrived at the titular. Wow. Movie. Wow. You guys got the title movie. What an honor. We got the title movie. Eliciting those famous double wows. <laughs> Joining us today, of course, Nick Weiger, Mike Mitchell, the Doughboys. Wow. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. This is Thanks very exciting. Us. Thank you for returning to we, the show. We should note, we, we always a thrill to be here. Uh, we should note that Griffin is wearing... Sunglasses. sunglasses. I'm just during checking. this record. I'm just checking. Just checking. I just, you know, I want to. I hope safe. you like the look of my my skull and robot eyes I because. <laughs> well, that's what it looks like when I take the sunglasses off. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish I, I I wish I looked like a skeleton. These guys, they're my inspiration. I'd, I'd love to be <laughs> a they, walking yeah. skeleton man. <laughs> Great bone structure. Right. It's like unbelievable cheekbones. Very striking. What are what um, what? I guess that is a good question of what mm. these aliens are and and like like what are the because they are kind of bony but they are a little bug like. It's kind of hard to put, sure. put your finger on what type of aliens we're looking but at here. You, when you, you see one of them naked at the end there, and he's just true. a guy kind of painted green and red, right? Like he's basically humanoid, right? blue, blue and blue red. and red, right. blue and red. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's an incredible color scheme. It's, it is. It's cool. And, um, and, an, and an incredible ending, by the way. That's it's, it's great. That's such yeah. a fantastic ending to the movie. Ending on boobs. That's Carpenter. He's like, I'll end on the boobs. I'm going to draw you in with the boobs. It's right at the end. Send him home, horny. 
Yeah. Son of a horny. <laughs> that, that's Carpenter's, Carpenter's favorite move is to leave every audience member in a position where it's difficult for them to leave the theater. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you're trying to figure out, like, how do you Don't stand worry. up exactly? I'll run the credits slow, you freaks. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have a minute. <laughs> this Griffin, this film is yes. They Live. It came out in 1988. It rules. It rules. It's a cool movie for cool people. And it's at the end of a run of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So it's eleven theatrical movies. I mean, I'm ignoring the uh-huh. two TV movies, but that is a basically yes. unimpeachable run. A run of I eleven would movies. Say so. Where you would basically could any you could argue about any of them. Like that's my favorite of all the great movies. Like maybe it's a little weird if you're picking like Christine or whatever. But like you know, I'll hear you out. This was a debate being had on the blank check on the subreddit Reddit. Yeah. recently. Of is there a stronger run we have ever covered? Slash, is there a stronger director run, Unbroken, that has ever existed? It's the unbrokenness. Even, wow. Yeah, the, right. The least generous version of it is you start it with Halloween, right? If you want to say like Dark Stars, a little more of an acquired taste. Assault on Precinct 13 is, like, so nasty and rough and tumble. Not everyone might agree on that being a masterpiece, although I would. Um, But, yes, pretty much up until this point, like, Memoirs of Invisible Man is his first outright stink. That's the one that you would be be really weird if you even said it was good. Like, that that would be a really out there (laughs) take. I don't know what you guys think. I want, you know, yeah, like, I'll just read them out to you guys. I'm sure you know. But yeah, Dark Star, Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, and They Live. That's the run. Where where there's not a bad movie. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's unimpeachable. Now, I believe Mitch's favorite Carpenter is The Thing, yeah. one of his favorite movies ever. Uh, my I go Starman. You love Starman. Um, but it, but that makes I love Starman. Sense. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be funny here, but that makes a lot of sense. Starman, of course, a man uh, imitating human experience, uh, talking funny. Right, Um, only only grounded by his relationship to his Erstat's wife. Nick, have you have you have you always loved Starman? Like, did you see that? Like as a kid or as a teen or whatever, and and love it, or did you come to it later? Did you watch it as an alien baby on the floor trying to figure out what to? <laughs> right. It was your parents had it running, projected on the wall in the background, and you slowly morphed into it. <laughs> yes. Let me figure out how to mu- uh, puppet this meat suit. Um. I, I was. Uh, yeah. I, I I saw it as a kid. I saw it as a kid a few times. Rewatched it as an adult. Holds up. Uh yeah, I, I listened to your guys' episode about it. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, I love it. I, I and I also say this, I like that they have. I like the sex scene in Starman. Me too. I mm. like that they fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. good. That I'm they glad fuck. they fuck. Yes. Yeah. Most movies should have a sex scene, in my opinion. It's weird, yeah. weird, weird anti-sex scene discourse sometimes, but you know, most you know movies. What? Why not? I'm glad that they fucking and they live. I'm glad that that happens at the end. I'm glad that the alien fucks mm-hmm. the lady. Yeah, we yes. the two characters we just met. So I'm with you. Were I'm like, with you th- Wags. yeah, this is a nine out of ten, but I got one complaint. And then last scene, you're like, ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dad was checking his watch a little bit, <laughs> right. and then perks up right at the end, like, oh boy, all right. 
uh, it is bizarre th- the way that argument pops up again on Twitter every four days of just someone very boldly saying, I know no one asked me, but I think that no sex scenes should exist ever. <laughs> People love to say stuff like that. <laughs> I, I The thing is, in my top, God, it could be top five favorite movies, but top ten for sure. I love The Thing. The Thing, And I saw The Thing late. I saw The Thing when I was like a... a sophomore or junior in college and so kind of late as far as you know uh developing because i liked horror and I, I but i just had never saw and then i was in like a sci-fi class or something like like a i think it was a i don't know some bullshit college class about <laughs> sci-fi where we watch sci-fi movies and uh mm-hmm. and they they put on that scene from uh the, the they put in the scene the scene from the thing where everyone's tied to the chairs and uh and and then uh they te- they're testing the blood the blood test scene and i was like wow i got to watch this whole movie this is this scene is insane and scary that scene is insane the guy like That's... vibrating in the chair i mean that scene rules it rules he jumps to the ceiling and then i watched the movie and i was like i can't believe i've never seen this or really hear heard like you know haven't really heard people talk about it too much i think it was maybe slightly before it's it had a kind of had a renaissance and people 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 love the thing, and I feel I feel like people rank it pretty high now too. But I had never I had, I hadn't even really known of it or heard about it, and I just think it's the best horror sci fi movie in the snow there's ever been. It doesn't need I mean, all those factors, but it. Uh... <laughs> well, that's I mean, when we did our episode, we had a pretty serious conversation of like, is this the best thing we've covered on the podcast ever? Right, Griff? I mean, it was. Wow. It was a debate. It was in the cont- like, it's yeah. in the conversation, yeah. and we've we've covered some pretty big honking movies. We sure have. Hotel Transylvania two amongst them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Mel Brooks is in that one. Yeah. I just think yeah. that movie is just a practical. That's the practical effect powerhouse that every horror movie should watch the thing and try to make things look like the thing. Because you you post an interesting question, we we have a group text, uh, the four of us, blanked out. Um, right. um, you you post an interesting question to the text mm-hmm. the other day, which was, uh, is there any effective use of CGI in horror? Yes. Like, what horror movies, if any, use CGI to their benefit? Yeah, mm, yeah. And I I think there are some, but. Few. Few. There, there are few, though. I do think you're onto something in that more so than any other genre, I perhaps. I think The Conjuring uses CGI yes. very well, but it uses it fairly sparingly, which is probably well, see, part of why I, I like I it. I said yeah. to Mitch, one of the examples I liked is the Crooked Man in Conjuring 2, because I feel right, like that's yes. a very specific type of creature Mitch doesn't that like you couldn't man. really realize practically. But you said you don't like the Crooked Man. I don't like man. the Crooked Man. It, it, it's, the, it's the moment that took me out of the Conjuring. Conjuring 2, but mm. I do like Conjuring 1 and I do know that they use, you know, there's CGI in it and I I think it's 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 effective. I think of a movie, look, look, there's some movies that use CGI and they're like, we're using CGI and you're going to be on board here and I feel like yeah. Hotel Transylvania 2. Hotel Transylvania right. 2. Very early Incredible on. Incredible use of CGI. Very early on they make it clear, but like a yeah. Starship yeah. Troopers like a Starship Troopers I think is also one of my in my top 20 movies. Um, but that's like more action sci-fi, like genres yes, where you can sure. argue there are many films that are clearly improved by the advent of CGI. Horror maybe benefits from tactility. Well, I know this movie is flawed and it's not a great movie, but I do think 
the first it. Wait, they live? No, no, they live rules. Oh, it, no, I'm the sorry. first it. Okay, uses C- is like a that's like to me a fun CG blockbuster horror movie, right? Like that's sort of like the good version of it, right? You know, that's a half and halfer for me. There, there are moments where I great. wish they scaled it back, and there are moments they use CGI in a way you could not uh, use any other methods to achieve. I, I mean, the ring was the obvious example I threw out. That the ring, mind. the ring is the big one. But even that, you know, right. doesn't use it too much. It just uses no. it for very no. crucial scares, very which is why it's cool. Right. But, like, look at this film, They Live, yep. a movie in which its greatest effect is switching from black and white to color. Yes. Yep. And back and forth, right? Which, All I, the which I believe was a huge pain in the ass, actually. Huge pain in the ass, but is an incredibly, like, just sort of simple, practical, time-consuming trick. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Of just having to redress everything. Um, over and over and over again. And all of the aliens in this movie are just like overhead masks. I mean, this film had a very limited budget. Mm -hmm. They don't have like detailed prosthetics. If you look at any of the scenes with the aliens, their mouths just kind of like flap a little bit. Like they're all just pretty much well-sculpted Halloween masks Mm -hmm. without any mobility. And it fucking works. It fucking works. Yeah. Right, you don't look at it and go, man, I wish he had more scale and more resources and more technology to be able to realize this thing. And it's, I mean, it's not a scary, I mean, it's not a scary movie, of course. It's not, there is like. It's upsetting. It's it's upsetting. Mm -hmm. There is a moment in the movie, like, this to me, Nick was saying that he knew Duke Nukem first, and I was a Duke Nukem fan as well, but I believe I saw this first, but just on like USA Up All Night type of show, like. uh, Sure. Which is itself a very horny show. So like, uh, but mm, yeah. but it, so I I like as a young boy saw like snippets of this. I feel like more than I had seen the whole thing, and then later watched the whole thing. But and I always was like, oh, they, the aliens kind of look goofy or whatever. But watching the movie, there is like a scene where you're like, oh, this is kind of like the grocery the scene in the grocery store where you're like, oh, he's found out, and this is kind of this is nerve-wracking that he's found out by all these aliens and he's going to get cornered or whatever. But this, there's no, there's no, I mean, like, the, the thing is inarguably a much scarier movie, right? Yeah, like a, like, yeah. Yes, this, okay. this is more, what, s- satirical thriller? How do you even classify this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's almost <laughs> like, it's really kind of almost a straight sci-fi movie, but just with very little actual, you know, detail on the side, the science side of things. But it's, yeah, it's like sort of like a kind of a throwbacky sort of Twilight Zone thing, but then also, yes, there's wrestlers wailing on each other, you know, like, which, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Say, like, <laughs> it could be it, love. It, feel, it feels weird to classify it as an action film, but it also features perhaps one of the longest unbroken <laughs> right. fight scenes in any Western film ever. Yeah. I mean, and it almost, yeah. yeah, it's like, what if a Twilight Zone episode just took a break for 15 minutes and had two guys punching each other? <laughs> It is. It could be called a fight movie. I mean, it is just like it could just be a fight yeah. movie, a brawler. Yeah, it's it's got some great like you know some great action moments, uh, some great gunplay. It, it it's it's like a sci fi action movie, but it's also just so like I I always mentally as a kid like categorized this with Repo Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is a diff- you know very different film, but it's it's also like it's it's this it's the sci fi film. Um, that's, that's, you know, also like, it's not a comedy, but it's like funny. 
And, you know, it's got some, uh, it just felt so distinct and different from, like, everything else I was watching. I guess kind of Army of Darkness is the same sort of tone I kind of think of, even though it's not the exact same sort of thing. But, like, yeah, it's 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 just a, it, it kind of defies classification in the same way that Repo Man does, at least in my mind. Mm. Which is part of why I like it. Part of why I love it. It's also such an angry movie. Yes. I mean, like, Carpenter's yes. grumpiness is a thing we've talked about a lot across these episodes. But this is, like, the only movie he's made that he has acknowledged is like a message movie. It's like a primal is sort of like a, a yeah yes yeah he's yes, just like grabbing yes. you and yelling in your face unlike right the and that yeah. gives it such an odd vibe as opposed to some of the other movies you mentioned Nick that feel a little more like anarchic you know sure. No, this is stridently anti-capitalist. And that was the thing, you know, I've only ever seen this movie before this most recent viewing, uh, the way it was meant to be seen on, on Peacock. Mm. I'd only ever seen this movie in on in 4x3 on VHS. And I just, I you know, I remember being like, oh, yeah, it's got like comments on consumerism and, you know, that sort of thing. But then watching it now, rewatching it now, I'm like, oh, this is stridently anti-capitalist. This is such a this is such a, the, the the messaging is so forward in this movie. It's baked in from minute 1 and it's like basically crucial to every scene and every character. It's right. It's it's sort of like just it's a watermark on this movie like you know what i mean it's always there and seeing you know like 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 honestly the the bulldozing the home the 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 encampment uh of unhoused people i found so upsetting to watch as knowing that's a thing that just like you know happens in la and like every major city of just like cops coming in and and throwing everyone's possessions away and like evicting them when they got no place else left to go it's it's just like that's so fucking vicious and it's it's a gnarly scene yeah that that's the thing about they live like you know it's trite to say it but like it is essentially it's like 100 percent as relevant as it was made as it was when it was made yeah its message is barely yeah. barely needs to be tweaked to fit contemporary times and yet like when you watch it you're like oh this is so specifically rooted in the reagan era and it's so clearly mm. about the 80s and you know what Carpenter's perceiving around him, and yet you're like, eh, but you know what? <laughs> Still, basically hits right in the same spot. Down to like what you're saying. Down to right clearing out uh, um, unhoused people in Los Angeles, and like you know, like down to just uh, just people being willing, just being like, whatever, man. Let's just let's just sell out. We're, I mean, we'll talk about it, but yes. yeah. Yep. By the yep. way, my, my mom my mom delivered me a chicken Caesar wrap. This is I, I told you guys that this would happen. And it has but happened. She was very sneaky about stealthily. it. She, she, yeah. she didn't even enter frame. She didn't enter frame. I caught her. N- Nick saw. She kind of peeked in. Yeah. And she gave me as a drink. She gave me a Bud Light seltzer, and I was explaining to her that it's alcoholic. But I, but I said thank you. Wow. Wow. Your mom's giving you booze. She's, She's cool. Sneaking booze into the basement for me, even though I, I, it's the opposite, Wags. I used to have to sneak it down here by myself, and now I, uh, <laughs> she's sneaking it down for me. <laughs> delivering it to you on a tray. <laughs> delivering it to me on a tray. Is that cherry limeade flavor? That, that is a cherry limeade Bud Light seltzer. Yes, it's wow, just I, insane. I, that's a lot of things <laughs> on one can. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Un- Ungapachka limeade Bud Light seltzer. <laughs> Have you guys Jeez. done that on the show yet? Is that good, Bud Light seltzer versus you know compared to the other various alcoholic seltzers? Where does I th- it fall? I, yeah, we this we tasted we tasted a few of them. I, I think the Bud Light was decent, actually. Right. The ch- this cherry limeade one is good. I like it. I, it it tastes like a cherry. Yeah. It's like dis- I think most people would classify it as disgusting, but it's 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 pretty good. <laughs> sure. 
Have you guys messed around with the uh, the the White Claw Surge? I just got some no. of those. No, what is that? what is that? That sounds it, a little scary. It is a little scary, and I was I had a, I had some, and I could I had trouble sleeping, and I was like, does this have caffeine in it? I was wondering, but I I, I don't think it does. Uh, it's just got a, a higher ABV. It's like an eight percent ABV Ooh. instead of five percent, so it's a little more potent. It's like an IPA Ooh. White Claw. Oh God, that would ruin good. me. God, yeah, I would. Be yeah, I'm annihilated. A boozier seltzer is all it is. It shouldn't exist. Now, here's my question to you: like, just like the aliens and they live, will listeners be able to pick up on me eating a sandwich? Absolutely, <laughs> I guarantee you. I don't know. I used to eat bagels on Mike almost every single episode, and it drove people insane. I know you guys host yeah. a food podcast, and you often it's try things on Mike, and you've had to yes. deal with the the misophonia folks. Mm-hmm. Who I feel for, I understand. I eat my bagels before recording now. But but you can't escape them. Sometimes I think I took one bite across two hours. There's no way they'll pick up on it. And they do. They always do. Yes. It's like a dog whistle thing. I'm always chugging and I'm I'm always I'm I'm drinking I'm drinking a beverage pretty constantly as as I'm recording any podcast and I it, I often worry that a, a a big healthy gulp will be picked up by the mic. Uh, as you say this, uh, Mike is chugging his. <laughs> is that a second beverage? It's, it's a, really went. It's for a Coke it. Mini. Wow! I got a Coke Mini because they're downstairs. So you, so you got a, so you have a Bud Light seltzer with a Coke Mini back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna drink the Bud Light seltzer. That was what the whole conversation was about. I can't. I can't. Okay. Would you, you could drink it? Yeah. Don't well, you want to get drunk, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, Mitch, I'm sure Nick is drinking one of those White Claw. What is it called? White Claw Storms with White Claw Surge. <laughs> Surge. It's all it is. Is no, stronger. I'm not that. It's just a stronger version of Noon Pacific Time. It, it is. It is strong. Yeah, I, I think. It, I think it's maybe. I kind of liked it, but I was also it made me feel weird. So I don't know if I'll go back to it. That's my review. Okay. Uh, how many forks? Um, five. Okay. Wow. Okay. Five right. forks. No, I'll, I'll, it's more like more like a four four. What would what would what if you put on the sunglasses? What would it say behind White Claw Surge? Uh, swallow. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, Nick, though, that's what you see written on most things when you put on sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so so just so angry and dark. It's a it's an angry yeah. There's not a lot for a movie that is kind of like light as you watch it in many ways. Like, I, I just think Rowdy Roddy Piper is like light in his delivery, and like they are kind of like two likable guys. It is just kind of dark, and it shows by how quick Piper just is on board with killing all these <laughs> immediately, right? Just firing so a soon. shotgun randomly into well, a bank that's like the, within yeah. minutes. The other weird thing about this movie is it is simultaneously so bleak and so silly. Like, a lot of the movies you're throwing out, Nick and Mitch as well, like, are interesting analogs. But I also kind of think there's no movie really like this. There are other movies you can put in the same bucket as films that are equally uncategorizable. You know? Is that a fucking word? But this is is such a, a bizarre, like, tonal... Uh, uh, work 
And yeah. I, I just remember for like for how angry it is, for how bleak it is, for how pointed it is, um, you know, you read all the reviews at the time and people criticize the movie uh, for being so aggressively unsubtle. Right. Which like it's a fucking who cares? It doesn't need to who be. I, I think subtlety right. is so greatly overrated, especially in genre film. Agreed. And it's a thing that I feel like critics uh maybe a little bit less so now but often like to sort of like poo poo uh is like well i understood exactly what this movie was saying they like to be smarter than a movie it is right. my main complaint about much of criticism you know you're not smarter than something can you do unsubtle in a good way like don't some yeah. people do unsubtle in a bad way and then he does unsubtle in a good way <laughs> like it just it, like it feels right he like uh, while you're watching it and there, there is that huge the the black and white contrast which you were talking about. It works so well. It's it not. It was so a pain well. in the why ass. Do, why does this fucking need to be subtle? But, it's like it's, sometimes you you go broad with something so you don't have to waste time like carefully building you know a nuanced argument in between the lines over hours. It's just like get the fucking thing out of the way, you know. Well, yeah. but it's what, but what you're saying, Griff, and I agree with you. I think is that like, yes, this movie is unsubtle, but if this movie was deadly serious and very like, kind yeah. of high on its, me- you know, sort of like, don't you get it, man? You yeah. know, it might be a little more tiresome. And the fact that this movie is sort of fun and goofy and just like pulpy, you know, just right. like a dime store paperback that you can like finish quickly and have fun with that's why the message works it actually is incredibly consumable hollywood entertainment that's making fun of consumption it's that it's the total recall thing it's if yes. you like when, yes when you remake total recall to be like kind of the dark gritty version it's not as fun and it doesn't work as well as i know there's fans of the remake but like no the re- no there aren't what there's not one there's not yeah. one. i am i am not i just don't want I, I always offend people when i say something sucks the remake sucks I, I didn't I like it. Truly challenge I tr- yeah. one person. I am the world's biggest Colin Farrell fan, and I have seen the Total <laughs> Recall remake. I have one person to even give me an that movie is okay. Len Wiseman it fucking hates one. that movie. Yeah, Len Wiseman's like, get, <laughs> drive me out of Hollywood. I don't deserve another job after that shit. I made this. It's, Are you fucking? They don't even kidding? go to Mars. They it's don't not, even yes. go to Mars uh, in that they don't movie. Go to Mars. The, the, the three the three breasted woman is completely unjustified. Like without oh, like God. the the, the mutant Jesus, element, it's just like this is just a callback to the first movie. But there's no <sighs> reason for this to exist in this if people aren't being mutated. That's my least know? favorite thing in the world when like yeah. a remake or a sequel takes out everything that was kind of fundamental to a thing, but then puts in the fucking dumb Easter egg iconography right. of like, well, we had to put the three breasted woman in. And you're like removed from all context. What the fuck are you talking? It's, I mean, this was such a big gripe for me. But uh, what, what? Live free or die hard. The fourth one. Oh yeah, another yeah. Len Wiseman movie. Another Great Len title. Wiseman movie. You're making me realize maybe he's like the fucking worst at this. But um, no, there's the scene at the end where like he has fucking Timothy Oliphant's cyber villain has John McClane at gunpoint. And he says, like, any final words? And he goes, yeah, yippee kaye, motherfucker. And it's like, the thing you said to a random terrorist (laughs) 35 years ago? That means nothing to this guy. You said it in the context. 
Hans Gruber said to you, you think you're some sort of cowboy. And then you said, yippee Kaye, motherfucker, which is a call and response <laughs> joke. Like there's like, there's a, there's a back and forth there. 35 years later, yeah. you decide to just polish it off and throw it out at this new terrorist. Yeah, I, I imagine he's he's retold that anecdote, though, a few times and kind mm. of like people have been kind of like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, oh, what a badass thing to say. And so <laughs> he's kind of high on his own supply at this point. But he's also like it's none of his fucking cop cronies are there to witness it and go like, John, you brought it back. Right. Not, not to make this the Len Wiseman sucks hour Let's do or it. whatever. But Let's like, you it. know, he is sort of the epitome <laughs> of that, like, you know, mid 2000s director where it's like he'll he'll put together a competent action sequence for you he'll run out you know and greet the crowd at comic-con and be like don't worry like we're getting the three-breasted woman in there for you guys you know like and he has no ideas like he's just like that he just he'll make you a very generic sequel that no one will remember or like that's that's what he's yeah. there for well, Wax, didn't you when you were in the theater when you saw the new the remake didn't you get up and you say you expect me to jack it to this? Didn't you yell that out in the theater? <laughs> I'm off to watch the final scene of They Live. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I, I yeah, I, I, I actually I saw Total Recall the remake in theaters, and our friend uh, John Daly, by pure coincidence, was also at the screening. And afterwards, he saw me. And he's just like, "That was a real bad movie, man." <laughs> Like, yeah, you're indefensible. Right. That movie is. I, I feel like the wise, the Wiseman version of of They Live, it would be like a very sexy, serious sex yeah. scene between the alien and the woman at the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we yeah, put we the alien one. tits in there. We had to, but the sunglasses aren't in it. There are no aliens. There's no black and white, and it doesn't have the messaging. Do they even go to the moon, or isn't it just set? It's like there's an elevator that goes from one end of the Earth to the other or whatever in, yeah. in the remake. They don't go That's to space. all it is. They don't go to space at all is my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. No space. Right. There's just... The, yeah. Man. It, it is insane to watch the wonderful Paul Verhoeven movie, Total Recall, with all that crazy crap on Mars and be like, you know, movie ends, credits are rolling, lights come up in the screening room and they're like, so the Mars stuff... Right? We're getting near the end. <laughs> Don't need any of that shit. <laughs> uh, I, one, one quick thing on Live Free or Die Hard. The, the thing that does bother me, I, 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 I totally agree with you on the, the UBK, uh, UBA motherfucker. makes no sense why I would say that. But the thing that bothers me is it's a PG-13 movie. Right. So he times a gunshot yes. over the fucker. Mm -hmm. So yes. it's like, yippee Kaye, mother. Er. And she's like, oh, well, right. give, give me, give me, give me the fuck. Go for the hard R. Give me and the, then, give me the motherfucker at least. And then everyone goes like, what did you say? I couldn't hear you <laughs> over huh? the gunshot. <laughs> and then when he repeats it, they're like, I still don't understand. Why, why okay. would you say that now? I mean, sure. No one called Thanks you for killing cowboy. him. Yeah. Appreciate, um, you know, yeah. I just want to call out in uh, 2010, uh, Eric mm. Newman, who produced the Thing prequel, uh, is uh, I, I guess maybe not currently, but at one point was the showrunner of Narcos, but also is the son of Randy Newman. He is the son of wow. Randy Newman. He has produced wow. many movies. He produced yes. Children of Men, and uh, he produced the Snyder Shaun of the Dead. I mean, Shaun, Dawn of the Dead. Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and the RoboCop remake. Uh, Griff. He's he did done a right. lot of these fucking Ooh. remakes. Uh, yeah. He was supposed to remake They Live. Universal announced they were remaking oh, it in 2008. And then he did an interview where he said 
that uh, I'll just I'll read it as it's written here in the dossier. He announced plans for the remake to move away from iconic aspects of the original film, most notably the sunglasses, which allowed John Nada to see the hidden alien world. That's insane. I mean, it's what we were just joking about. But I remember, I mean, talking about like our first exposure to this movie. I the way I became aware of this movie, my father was like a huge WWF guy in the eighties. That was one of his main vices. He would drag my mother to wrestling. Oh yes, that's Wait, awesome. Your mom went yes. to see like Macho Man Randy Savage live. Like your your mother? I've met yeah, your yeah. mother. It is very hard to imagine her in a WWE crowd in the eighties. Uh, looks like a, a doll made out of uh, porcelain and paper. Yes, um, very, a very small woman, a very fragile woman. I'll, I'll yes. tell this anecdote very briefly. But my father in the eighties worked for this guy named Lewis Allen, who was primarily a Broadway producer who had done like Annie and other stuff. Uh, and then was sort of branching out into movies. And he had this big idea that he wanted to do the world's first uh, no-man, one-man show. I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. But his idea was he wanted to use, like, the audio animatronic technology from Disney and do, like, great moments with Mr. Lincoln, but on Broadway. Have a Broadway show that was performed by a robot where you'd never had to pay a performer and the robot would just do however many shows a day and you could just like fill the house, right? You'd make back the costs because you could do 10 performances a day rather than one a night or whatever. Um, And his idea was to do it with Andy Warhol. He thought Andy Warhol was the most interesting guy to build a robot one-man show around (laughs) and that he would be into the weird like pop kitsch aspect of it. So they got pretty far along developing a robot one-man show with Andy Warhol and did like tests and made prototype robots and all of them were just like too disturbing I think the technology wasn't there and they couldn't figure out the execution and how to do one long enough and all this sort of shit but there is in Andy Warhol's like published diaries there is an entry about my father who was like the kid in the office for this guy taking Andy Warhol to uh, Wrestlemania with my mother Wow. There was a wow. date where Andy Warhol was the third wheel. Holy shit. To my parents, an 80s wrestling match. Holy shit. Unbelievable. That, I did not know. I I remember the Andy Warhol robot, but I Yes. And did they have a good time? Uh I mean, my mom does the impression of him which is just like, "Wow, I can't believe these outfits." <laughs> <laughs> Look at that guy. That's incredible. <laughs> well, to, to get to They Live... He I was mean, stunned. As, yeah. as we've mentioned, John Carpenter met Alice Cooper at mm-hmm. WrestleMania 3, which is why Alice Cooper is in Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. He also met Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania, which, which was in Detroit. Uh, the poster, it seems like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant were the main event for that one. But this, that's, that's a that's, huge... That's, 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 this yes. is a huge WrestleMania. That is the origin story for They Live. Is just John Carpenter going to WrestleMania. That's 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 wild. And also, I gotta say, a possibility if 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 Roddy Piper's career got bigger, that he'd maybe be one of the best actors. I mean, like I know that there's some like sure. there's some moments right. where dialogue is a little stilted in this, and I know that he doesn't have like the charm of like you know that I The Rock is the rock and he's you know he's gigantic and but he's un- undeniably he has charm and people he's, like him absolutely he's, yeah he's so very charismatic so my question is could he have been 
the best actor of 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 all the WWE superstars. I don't. I, it, he's up there. I think he's good. Griff, you've got your take on the best actor wrestler, right? I assume it's still the same take. I think it's Batista, but I I yeah. think I think Batista's good. I think Roddy perhaps had the same potential that Batista did i i i think right he was and perhaps then he just not after given... this gets shunted to right like, straight to video stuff or whatever yes. right right i think because i mean this and hell comes to Frogtown are the same year yes um and then he never really gets a good movie again after this and i think like you know you there there are as you said mitch some moments of greenness in this but he totally works and the things that he supplies that like a more uh, traditional actor could not greatly outweigh mm-hmm. his uh, lack of experience in, in very brief moments. But I do think there is a sense of uh, uh, depth to him that was yeah. t- totally untapped for the rest of his career in a way that's kind of depressing. Yes. Well, he does He does a lot without saying a lot is kind of yes. is the, is the fun yes. thing watching him and and – and I mean, maybe intentional on Carpenter's part, and and you know maybe some of the stuff was a little too green, but his, his I feel like it's funny because like even the way he delivers that bubblegum line is maybe like kind of like one of the more stilted things. I think when he's when him and Keith David are just talking, I'm like he's good, he's natural. Yeah. He feels like a regular, he feels like an average guy. I like I I I, I he feels he feels like a regular person, which is which is you know with a lot of wrestlers, I feel like it's a hard thing to pull pull off. So. I- he, I think he's awesome in this, and and yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a little green, but he's he's he he's perfectly you know at that nexus of a guy who seems like he's maybe you know down on his luck, but is also an invincible badass. Like he's able to yeah. to, to live in both of those. And I, I you mentioned Mitch that he has a, a lot some sequences without much dialogue. The, the I think his performance when he first gets the sunglasses. And oh, is yeah. like tentative about yeah. putting them on, and then then t- putting them back on and off repeatedly uh, at the newsstand. I th- I think that's I think it's so good, and yeah, I, I think that like that. he carries yeah. that sequence so well. I mean, that's uh, you know, I think Carpenter's really clever in the way he cast this movie. But you have this film that's like sort of a two hander, and you cast a, a classically trained Juilliard guy and a professional wrestler, right? But there is weird overlap in the sort of like methodical training that both of these guys have done. There's a level of precision, mm-hmm. you know? Roddy is someone who knows how to communicate so much through physicality. I agree with Mitch. I mean, I love this performance. I'm not actually criticizing any of this, right? We're just sort of being objective here. But like, I feel like the moments where he's a little more stilted are, like you said, the ones where he's sort of playing more of the classic like action hero beats, right? Yeah. Or sure. he's throwing out one-liners or whatever, and it feels like maybe he's butting up against his tendency to go really big with those moments as he does when he's playing to an arena. But any of the smaller intimate moments, anytime he's connecting with another person, anytime he's just having a moment of reflection or reaction to something, he's just like so spot on. Yeah. Agreed. He's he's yeah. he's, he's he seems like a great guy, for, and from all accounts, I, I heard that he was. Why? Did you ever work with him? He worked in like the comedy scene a little yeah. bit. Yeah, he did stand up for a long time, and he was. I remember yeah. he was on It's Always Sunny, and like he did stuff, right? Yeah. Now he's, he's was, dabbled yeah. in the comedy world. Yeah, he he was in a he was in a Funnier Die video when I worked at Funnier Die, although I was not involved. But by all accounts, a lovely man. Uh, I 
I, I can I can also just say like he's he looks great. He looks unbelievable. Like he takes his yeah. shirt off. He looks fucking yeah. great. His ass looks great in those jeans. He's just <laughs> like he he looks so fucking badass in this. Like I, I was watching, looking at him and Keith David. I just in my head, I was like, those are men. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at men, and they're young. They're younger than us. They're like 34 in that yeah. in movie or something. But you know, it's the thing that's lost now, right? Like you know, where it's like, yeah, those are really built you know guys but they don't look like aliens yeah they look like dudes who like do yard work you know and they'll like fix your gutters if you need that you know what i mean like they just look like dudes like regular guys with big biceps yeah which makes which makes me believe the fight like i believe that that fight happened 100 percent. um we should read these these quotes about the casting process because uh jj a a researcher pulled up a treasure trove of shit here but this is carpenter talking about why he cast uh this is the quote i love this quote He said, unlike most Hollywood actors, Roddy has life written all over him. He's been hit so many times that he is really broken up. He even walks funny because his pelvis was shattered and his back was wrenched. He's definitely not a pretty boy, but he's the toughest guy I've ever met. You could run a truck into Roddy and he would still be standing. Like, that speaks to the whole fucking thing. And also so much of his hotness in this movie that you're just like, this fucking guy. Yeah. Do you Did you guys watch him in the 80s like i remember him a little bit i sort of the tail end of the 90s when he was kind of still lingering in the, but i don't know his 80s run in the wwf then wwf that well at all yeah i mean it, it, it's it's amazing that I, I i did watch him some as a kid uh I, I will say that it is kind of amazing that carpenter had the clout to of if he was going to cast a wrestler to say, like, I'm going to cast Roddy Piper, who was yeah. great, an awesome performer, but he does not have the star power of a Hulk Hogan or an Andre the Giant, you know? Like, he was he was not at that same threshold of of uh, of superstardom that, that that transcended the wrestling world. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I remember he wore watching a kilt, he had a, right? He, wore, he had a kilt. He had a bagpipe. That's what I was going to say. Did he wear a bagpipe? Right. Yeah. Okay. He did a lot yeah. of stuff with bagpipes. Right? He was, he's actually from, he's actually Canadian. Yeah, but he was like he yeah, he he did a he did a that was this whole thing, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh because he was a bagpiper. He's from Saskatoon, your guy your favorite town, right? Didn't you wow. guys do a show in Saskatoon? Am I making that up? We did a no, live Doughboy show in Saskatoon in the dead of winter, and ever all of our Canadian listeners said, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why would you come to Saskatoon of all places in January? The people who it was live in fun. Saskatoon were angry at you. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was like flying into the 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 base from the thing, basically. Yes. We, flew in and we were like, "There's nothing here. There's one base, and, like, and, and the plane is descending. What? What's happening? <laughs> I don't see anything." The ticket taker is some frozen body with two heads being pulled apart. <laughs> you gotta be. I think you have to be tough. From I, and maybe that speaks to the thing of like he isn't a pretty boy. So then you take off. He takes off his shirt, and he's just a fucking. He's jacked. He's a machine. Well, Ben, you just have to hear this. He was expelled from junior high for having a switchblade in school. Wow. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> went cool. on the run and lived in, like, youth hostels and picked up odd jobs at gyms. And, like, that's how he got into wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading here. He said he was been on the streets since he was 13 and a professional fighter since 15. So that's that means nuts. that a lot of that monologue that he has in the movie about about being with his dad, there's a really dark monologue about 
his dad holding a razor blade to his throat and then he yeah. and, the, and then his character goes on the road his since a young age i think he says 15 or something but in reality it sounds like he was on on his own maybe even earlier or something but but that must be must have been taken from his real life it makes that makes a lot of sense carpenter said he had roddy write the entire backstory for this character oh, that he did not create a backstory and said i want you to come up with it I, and That's i don't awesome. want you to tell me any of it and then at certain points he extracted certain pieces to put into the script um, it works so well and it fits that his drifter character great like uh like you understand why even though it is like i said a, a huge jump when he's just like holy shit aliens and he starts blasting them but it makes when you hear his backstory you're like oh it makes sense that this guy's been fucked over so many times uh right. that that he's that he's willing to kind of take that fight also i just i want to point out that a big way that people learn about this movie and it's and I know it's kind of a problematic thing because it's South Park and it's always problematic. But is yeah. when Timmy and Jimmy fight each other. Yes. I mean, like, oh, I, I forgot. I, of course, yeah. It's like shot by shot, right? It's shot by shot. Yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think it might even be the same. Is it the same length? Is it the same? Is it? St- is it like is eight it minutes like or whatever it is in the six, movie? Right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Man, I forgot. You know what? South Park is not my show, but I've certainly seen like, you know, a hundred episodes of it just because I was a teenager when yeah. I was a teenager. But Timmy's Wait, the one where you're like, <laughs> well, you know, like I've seen so much South Park. Just it was, it was, we were all watching South Park, but it was never really like my show. But mm-hmm. I always forget about Timmy and Jimmy. Timmy Are they and Jimmy. still on the show? They still do it. They're Timmy still on the show. Mm. Jimmy's very funny. He's a stand-up. I was like, going to say the Jimmy stand-up comedy. thing always works for me. I gotta watch um, that. I gotta watch that sometime. Anyway, sorry. And like it's it's undeniably problematic that I mean, sure. it's called Cripple Fight is the episode, and it's so it, I mean like <laughs> in the way that South Park is is problematic. I'm just saying there's no way around it. But th- th- I'm saying that is where a lot of people learned about this movie. Or you watch like, that as you know, a teenager, and it's mm-hmm. so specific. You go, this has to be some joke that I'm not getting. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah. there, there's something right. to the way that this sequence is designed that has to be uh, referencing something bigger. I texted my father because I I want to confirm my memory that Roddy was his number one guy of the '80s. Because David, I know you were asking sort of like what his thing was, and my dad said a hundred percent. I said, can you put in a one sentence what you liked about the guy? And he said he could turn an artistically insulting phrase before his opponent knew what hit him. Mm. Wow! Wow! That part of it was I like the the poetry of this guy, right? So that. even if like Hogan or Andre the Giant or whatever, it was more physically imposing, Roddy was just great in the you know with his dialogue, with his character, all that stuff, and that there was a soul to him. Like, yeah. th- I mean, he's that, a blue collar guy. He just has yes. that resonating off him. Yeah, definitely. But the way I remember hearing about the, this movie for the first time is my father making some reference to it. And I said, what are you talking about? And he went, you know, there's a movie. He might have said the line. He might have said, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. I said, what's that? He said, that's from They Live. I said, what is that? And he said, it's a movie in which 80s wrestler Roddy Rowdy, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper wears sunglasses that show him who on earth are aliens. <laughs> and you just go like, how is that a thing? A, what are you talking about? 
Right, but but that just like burned into my brain of like that's a movie, and he was like, that yeah, was John allowed? Carpenter yeah. made it, and I was like, a serious person made that? It's like the 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 Bart versus the Space Mutants video game. Did anyone ever play Bart oh, yeah. versus the Space yeah. Mutants, where you put on the sunglasses, you see the aliens? Bad yeah, game. It, you're yes. right. That's the, that's the same premise. That that game is dog shit. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's the same thing. It came after they live, so it's fully ripping off they live. I just had to check. For um, sure. Can I can I tell you my deep thought about the 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 fight? Please, yes. I mean, it's not that deep, and I'm sure many people have made this point. Well, before. you just told us it's a deep thought, so we're yeah. expecting a, a pretty serious level of depth here, Matt. Uh, it's I mean, it's deep for me. How does that change it at all? Okay. Yeah, okay, adjusted accordingly. Uh, it was long. Yuck! Is that what you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> sure went on. <laughs> um. In a movie that's about like class and the haves and the have have nots, it's I think a very intentional thing that a white man and a black man are fighting, especially for so long. Like I think there might be something to the reason that the fight is as long as it is between two different races while they're fighting instead of fighting the real enemy, which is the mm-hmm. these kind of this these elite. These elite yeah. like this elite class. And I think that, that I and in my mind, I'm like, of course that's intentional. On it's got to be. And then maybe he'd hear this and be like, no, it's just I liked the action of the fight or whatever. But in my head, that's 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 what it's all about. Is is and they're fighting over garbage, like they're fighting yes. over garbage right. in an alleyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. so much garbage. Yeah, yeah it, it's uh, it, it, I I mean, I I really like after the fight. Because uh, yeah, he definitely like it. Definitely feels like they're trying to show this this you know this panracial group of 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 oppressed people. Like you know, in the encampment, it's like you know, it's 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 uh everyone's kind of represented in the same sort of like miserable state. Um. Uh. So like uh. But but what I like about that fight scene is. In the aftermath, like uh, the fight scene's mm-hmm. awesome, but the aftermath, just like where the both of the, the two of them are just sort of playing like the regret of having like, fuck, we shouldn't have spent 10 minutes beating the living shit out of each other as they're like <laughs> making their way to their hotel room. Yeah. It's just so great. And it, it just, and also like you just, it, like they really just feel so beaten down. Like it felt like, like yeah. you watch them go through it and the aftermath, it feels like they, uh, they look like that. shit. They look they, like they, when shit. They were, when they're in the hotel, they look like shit. And by the way, He's uh, Roddy is is credited as nada, uh, which is Spanish for nothing, mm-hmm. uh, which so obviously there's a lot of the the class stuff going on there. But but uh, Wax, did you think my point was pretty deep? Did you, did you like it? Um, I thought it was pretty. I thought your initial point that it was long was maybe a little better, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we can double back around to other stuff, but I feel like while we're here, let's just spend a, a solid, Griff. unbroken five and a half minutes talking about the fight. What, David? <laughs> no, no I, I completely agree with you. I was about to say, I mean, my favorite thing that JJ found is the the screenplay had a blank yes. pad, page that just said the fight. And then the next page said, the fight continues. One page, that's all it said. And then the wow. next page said, the fight continues. Like that, It's such a funny idea. 
That's right. great. And his thing was that, like, well, I used to love in Westerns where, like, two guys would just punch each other for three minutes. I've always wanted to do one of those in a movie. <laughs> right. the, the Quiet Man is his big inspiration, yes. apparently. I, I have not right. seen The Quiet Man. I have not either. Apparently there's a, a knockdown drag-out fight in that one, I guess. Right. I think it was, like, he was ticking a bunch of boxes at the same time. I agree with you, Mitch, that I think ultimately he backed up into that deeper meaning behind the fight. But I think yeah. he was like, A, I've always wanted to do one of these in a movie. Just have a good fucking fist fight go on for too long. Be two big dudes. Two well, that's, just yes. big old dudes. I cast the right people. I have a fucking professional wrestler and I have uh, fucking Keith David who's done like movement and dance training at Juilliard. They're both going to be able to get this choreography down. And it's also like uh, this is part of what was supposed to be a four picture deal where he could get whatever movie he wanted greenlit yes. off of a one sentence synopsis, but the budgets were like capped at $3 million. I think this That's one went a, a yes. little bit over, but, and, but it's essentially the same thing as Prince of darkness. He, right. he pitched mm. something very simple to a live films and they approved it and he got $3 million to make it. Right. And wow. his Basically. pitch was probably the same thing my dad said to me of like guy puts on sunglasses, realizes there are aliens among us, you know? And like as to why he cast a WWE guy, it's like I think that's the level of like movie star he could play with at this point in time. Mm. You know, it's like the biggest name he could get is someone who I think creatively he wanted him for other reasons. But I also think he's in a budget uh, cap at this point where the biggest name he could get is someone who is famous but not respected as a as an actor, you know? And try yeah. to make him into a movie star, um, but yeah. it yes, should have it should have happened. That's the thing that annoys it me. It absolutely it. should have happened. Yeah. I think that was just. I mean, you look at how many more chances uh, Hogan got around this same time period, and it never yeah. really stuck. And he had all of the machinery behind him. And obviously, I think he was just ne- less innately built for movies than Roddy was, perhaps. But I mm. do think there was. Uh, I don't know if the American public was ever going to accept a former wrestler as a legitimate movie star at this point in time. When The Rock sure did not, it, yeah. it was seen as like, holy fucking shit, he bridged the gap. Yeah. Right. And, 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 yeah. And it was a sillier time for wrestling. Not not to say that's bad or whatever, but it was like a more day glow kind of look, the WWF. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I mean, yeah, like we said, he was playing bagpipes and stuff, but... <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I do I do think that the fight as long as it is, it's like there's nothing that's that crazy. I mean like there's this the one move where they go say. yeah. There's one one move where they go up against a wall and it's cool and they fall backwards. But besides like punching someone and like not stopping, which is always crazy in a fight, is that is it doesn't look that crazy. And there's also a great moment where Roddy tries to hit Keith David in the gr- the groin and oh, he goes yeah. Dirty motherfucker. And it's such a great <laughs> it's such a great moment because they're just like fighting fair before that and then he like he breaks this rule and, and Keith David gets all mad at him and I and it, and it feels and it feels real. It feels like a very real moment too. It's great. Well you look at the setup of the fight, which is there <laughs> Roddy has just fallen out of a garbage truck, right? He has literally just <laughs> fallen out of the backside of a garbage truck. Then this dude who he was friends with for like a day comes and finds him in this alley, throws a wad of money at him, believing him at this point to be a mass murderer, right? Someone who just yes. had 
a psychotic break, essentially, and started wantonly killing strangers. But he still has enough sort of like we're in the shit together respect for the guy, you know, the feel, mm. the need to look out for the common man who is being ignored by everyone else, that he meets him in this fucking alley to throw money at him and walk away. And Roddy, covered in trash, right, holding cheap plastic sunglasses is like, you got to put these things on. And Keith David <laughs> immediately goes to 100 and is like, fuck you, I'm not putting those on my face. <laughs> and he's like, here, put, me, put them on. And then it's immediately punch, right? Like, it's like so quickly. A full-on fist fight is broken out over, I don't want to put these on. I don't want to wear these sunglasses. I refuse. I understand yeah. that there's the larger implication of him being like, I don't want to get involved in your shit. I'm not part of this. I'm not a co-conspirator. I got to stay clean. But it is funny that there's just five minutes of him going, I don't want to wear these sunglasses. And then punching again. Well, and to add to that too, it's like, Earlier in the movie, a woman pushed him out a window. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, and he fell three stories. That's how much characters don't want to wear the fucking sunglasses. <laughs> People really don't want to wear really the don't want to try those on. That that fall out the window is like a thing that I don't like. When I watched, it, I was like, oh yeah. But she sma yeah, she smashes him on the head with a glass and then pushes him out the fucking window. <laughs> and it's such a it's such a that it's so that's such a crazy moment. He's just getting his ass kicked over and over again at this point. And he yeah. like where doesn't he he like sleeps like in a gutter that night too. He he's just he's just getting and maybe that's why Keith David feels so bad for him. He knows that he's just fucking getting his ass handed to him over and over again. Yeah, it it makes sense that it's just like like hey, I'm trying to help you but I can't be in your life and you're being a fucking weirdo and right. making trying to put these trash covered sunglasses on my face. <laughs> like get away from me. Like that sets him off. The, the the Keith David line I love in this is when they're circling each other he's just like not this year. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. fucking good. It's so good. I just like beyond the fact that they're like two relatively normal looking guys that like Roddy yeah. is as jacked as any normal person could be without you wondering how many hours a day do you spend in the gym right yeah like he's right at that breaking point um it, it is the rare fight scene that moves at like the speed of a real fight right. <laughs> with like, little, with breathers yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely a guy punches a guy he like takes the punch he recovers, then he throws a punch and responds. They're not like sort of like, <laughs> you know, martial arting each other. Um, no. And, and then the there's other, a break. There's even like a there's like a well, moment where <laughs> they have these breathers because as the fight goes on, they're both exhausted and in pain. Like a thing that <laughs> fights never do, which is oh, the damage accumulates. Like usually fights yes. ramp up and people become more and more superpowered the longer the fight goes on. And it's like by the end of it, it's so sloppy and it's taking all their energy to like sort of like you know sideswipe the other guy. It's great. And to, to Wag's point, they are just like both men, Wags, like how you were saying, like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's like a yeah. man. So the reason that like when they fight like that, it makes sense to me because I'm like, all right, yeah, maybe these two men like have this is like they've annoyed each other and they have to fight. Like in my mind, it works because yes. they're both such 
alphas that I'm like, yeah, this is probably what would happen. They're tough like, fucking guys who live on the yeah. edge. Like they're they're doing what it takes to survive. The the break moment where they sort of like regroup and they're catching their breaths and they're helping each other up, and then Roddy's like, but seriously, put on these sunglasses. Yeah. No, and then they just go back into the fight. Yeah, there's there's a point where Keith David's about to stop the sunglasses, and it's genuinely like, oh, oh shit, don't break the glasses. Your heart, and your heart's in your mouth. Your heart stops when he does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I pulled up the I pulled up the dialogue because the the not this year is actually in response to Nada says, I'm giving you a choice: either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can, which was referenced <sighs> earlier. And then and then Keith David replies, not this year. Right. Other That's years cool he hell. has eaten a trash can, yeah. but this year <laughs> he will not. Uh, the other thing, the other uh, quote here, this is from um, uh, Roddy talking about why he got cast in the movie, and it speaks to some of uh, what we're saying here. Um, he said, well, well, John Carpenter watched me wrestle at the Silver Dome, and supposedly Hollywood doesn't have any real men. Yeah. Uh, but then in, a, in that same interview, he said, I'm not really acting in this film, and I think that's the key to why it seems to be working. When I met John at WrestleMania 3, he was looking for a real live person who had experienced life rather than some pretty boy who had gone to acting school for two years to learn how to imitate crispy bacon. <laughs> I think speaking to the common acting exercise where they make uh, students lie on the floor and pretend that they're bacon sizzling on a pan. This is like a very widespread acting conservatory thing. Uh, but Brody said, let's face it. I've been on the street since I was 13, have been a professional fighter since 15, have been electrocuted once and stabbed three times. John could see that I had experienced what the character of John Nada required. So he incorporated those things into the film. And since the character was essentially me, who better to play him? Wow. Like, there's just the fucking I, tenacity you, you feel yeah. that you can't really fake. I just uh, I just put myself on tape as for bacon the other day, and uh, <laughs> I'm hoping I get it. You hope, you're hoping you get bacon. <laughs> I'm hoping I get bacon out of the deal. Your compensation. Um, <laughs> just, uh, this is the other quote I love from Piper, where he was asked, like, what is your assessment of your acting skills? And he said... I'd say I'm somewhere between George C. Scott and Rin Tin Tin. One thing I can tell you is I'll never do Othello. The guy just yeah. has one-liners for days. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it, so it's great. he's so damn charming, right? Yeah. But then, like Keith David, he had obviously worked with him on the thing, which is his first movie. That is Keith David's debut That's in insane. cinema. Incredible. This is the thing. This, as much as we are pumping up Roddy, and we should, insane. this doesn't work without Keith. And what what a He's genius move by Carpenter! Apparently, it was just Keith David came to the Prince of Darkness premiere. Is that what it is, Griff? Keith Keith and came Carpenter, to the Prince of Darkness premiere, and he looked so good. He looked great. Carpenter's like, wait a second, he's right here. <laughs> this guy looks hottie. fucking awesome. <laughs> that rules. I decided he was Frank. Luckily, he wanted to do the parts. So off we went. Like that's like the full explanation. This guy just showed up, and he was looking like a fucking snack. Man, damn. Um, I mean, he, he looks, he does look great and he looks like he could hold his own against, uh, Roddy, which is, which is right. That That is no. the other thing he said. He said, he's a fabulous actor. There's a quality about him, which is warm and wonderful. He's a big guy and I needed a big guy to fight Roddy. I need someone who wouldn't be a traditional sidekick, but could hold his own. Uh, right. Yeah. Which makes they're, sense. Oh God, they're so good together. I mean, Mitch, the, the point you made about sort of like the, the racial makeup of this duo is important because I do think this movie is sort of about like 
among other things, right? Everyone's resistance to wear the sunglasses is it's so much easier to not have to look at the reality of these things, right? Like it is so much easier to even if you have not gone along with the aliens to not put up a fight against it um and to not have to acknowledge the reality of what's going on right under your nose but the other thing is i think as you said mitch the like fighting the wrong people you know sure the people at the bottom fighting each other there's the scene at the beginning which is when they like bond for the first time and keith david opens up about like He's got a wife and kids to Detroit. He hasn't seen them in six months. Like yep. the guys gave the the fucking steel mill a break and then the steel mill took raises and fired everyone and shut everything down. He like opens up in this big way and then he has his whole thing where he says like the whole deal is like some kind of crazy game. They put you at the starting line and the name of the game is to make it through life. Only everyone's out for themselves and looking to do you in at the same time. Okay, man, here we are. You do what you can, but remember, I'm going to do my best to blow your ass away, so how are you going to make it? And that's like, this guy just fucking sees through the bullshit of life. As much as he doesn't want to wear the sunglasses, he he understands how fucked the entire system is. And then in red, it, like in comparison, pre-sunglasses, not his response at that point. His direct response to that line is, I deliver a hard day's work for my money. I just want the chance. It'll come. I believe in America. I follow the rules. Everyone's got their own hard times these days. Like at the beginning, he's just absolutely like does not feel burned by reality. He's Mm -hmm. like, look, I'm going through a bad run. I don't deserve this. But if I if I do everything right, it will all balance out. And Keith David gives him a look that speaks volumes of just like, well, you're fucking white. Right. Yeah. Without having to, yeah, in a movie that's very blunt, doesn't have to spell it out. Right. Whether or not you're ever going to get the chance that you think you will, the mere fact that you believe you are entitled to that and it is inevitable is a luxury that I don't have. Right. And then he finds sunglasses and he realizes that Keith David was right. (laughs) Well, it also makes the end of the movie so tragic, which, by the way, the the female lead whose name escapes me, but Griffin uh, or Sims, I'm sure Meg you can. Foster. Meg She's Foster, Meg Foster, Evil Lynn in the Masters of the Universe movie. Meg Foster, who's who's great. She she. Uh, it's funny that Nada is so quick to help her out when, like, really their whole relationship is her throwing her out that window. Like we've already established. Like like why 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 do you there, there's like not a real big romantic you know like there's a little it's like kind of tease that there's maybe feelings or something but you know he like he's he's really looking out for this woman who who threw him out a window she threw him out the window i mean like i know that he also used her and had held her at gunpoint and everything like that yeah he kidnapped her let's let's he kidnapped yeah he kidnapped her um and uh i think that's uh i i think that's probably part of it but i think there's it's also like she shows up at the resistance meeting yeah. And she's like, you know, and she's she his whole thing. He's trying to get people to look through the sunglasses. She's looked through the sunglasses and she's mm-hmm. like, I didn't know, you know. So I to, to me, I kind of bought that. He's like, OK, now we, we've got another ally. We need ever we need all the help we can get. And yeah, also, I kind of owe this woman something. But I wonder um, if she was a mole from the start. Yeah, I actually kind I, of wonder I, if she already knew before the sunglasses. I, I think it's entirely thing, possible. Yeah. yeah. You can't tell. I mean, like that. That meeting gets sabotaged, so like uh, they they come in, and so you're wondering if someone did it, and and yeah, she does. She is bad in the end. It turns out so. 
And and she's the kind of person who would be a human collaborator, which is, you know, what this whole system relies on, is that they need, like, you know, these the high-status actual humans to help the aliens take over um, the system. But the resistance needs her as well because she's right. access to a broader means of communication, getting mm-hmm. their message out. I mean, it's a very advantageous relationship for them to have i mean it, it, there's the earlier scene where nada sees you know the weirdness happening at the church at four o'clock in the morning and asks the guy about it and he sort of brushes it off as like oh a choir you know with late night choir yeah. we we can't tell him when to leave or whatever uh and then when they finally show up with the sunglasses in the basement everyone's like ah oh, we were hoping you guys would come around you know like there was no attempt to recruit them and I think there's such an uneasiness with everyone in this universe, but like they're hoping that they would organically find their way there, which I guess is also what happens with the Meg Foster character. You also have to factor in like up until that point of the movie, we are not really seeing women on screen. This is such a dude heavy movie. There are obviously yeah. some women at the the encampment, but like not of prominence, right? And most of this movie is these two dudes. So when, like, a guy shows up in, uh, you know, a garage, like a parking lot with a gun, you're sort of for the first time acknowledging the, like, everyday threat of violence against women in our society, right? Through this Mm -hmm. character. Like, we've seen these guys on the skids, but here's, like, a well-dressed woman of means in a position in the media who still has to deal with, at any point in time, the threat of, is a guy going to come out with a gun? And assault me in one way or another. Um, where I because think, he does he does like shoot women before, but you see them course. as aliens, and right. you don't see them as yeah yeah. You know that, but she yeah. doesn't know that. Um, mm. I I do think you know her opposition to him makes a lot of sense, considering the fact that he does truly kidnap her. Sure, yes, and that right there's there's sort of that lack of sunglasses to be able to tell anyone's motivations at that moment. What what's the line she has when she's being held hostage in her apartment? It's like uh, in her home. It's like it's he's he says I'm sorry, and she's like you're not sorry. You have two guns. I wish I'd written it down. Something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, let me find that. It's good. Uh, yes. No. You have two guns. You're not sorry. You're in charge. Yes, that's, that's what right. it is. Yeah. Yeah. No. She also makes a phone call there to I believe the aliens. So I think she was maybe even working with the aliens at at this point. But Griff, you you just talking about that makes like a it makes me think of another thing in that if this movie came out around the same time the Matrix did or something, this would be like a big no-no Columbine type movie where you see a guy go into a bank and just blow people away with a shotgun. I mean, like violence, sure. I'm sure even then and then also in like just seeing him go down a hallway like a workspace blowing people away later too i'm like oh yeah. this is crazy to look at this sure through it's the a through a 2021 lens i yeah. mean carpenter's gone out of his uh way to disown this as uh aggressively as he possibly can but this movie much like the matrix getting co-opted by the worst people who deliberately misread its intent this movie has been reclaimed by a lot of uh anti-semites who believe it's about jews controlling the media and the need to violently resist oh man which uh sucks yeah, yeah. When, Mitch, um, when you were going to talk about your deeper point earlier, I was worried you were going to go there. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Whew. there's so many alien invasion <laughs> movies are about. <laughs> 
are 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 about us uniting as a people to resist invasion, right? And right. they're patriotic and they have a stirring quality and they're sort of like, hey, we, you know, at least we're all humans and we can find like commonality in that. And like this is the Carpenter quote I love where he's basically, ta- you know, the whole movie obviously is just about like our country is brain dead you know in the reagan age basically starting with dixon but like by this point all our brains are cooked but his whole thing is like the threatened they live is not that the aliens want to eat our bones they want to own all our businesses yeah and a universal executive said to him what's the threat in that we all settle out every day and jar Carpenter was like i'm putting that line in the movie like that's wow <laughs> that's that's the exact point that's i'm rad. trying to make is that success you know, everyone just has defined success by wealth at this point, and so it's very easy for the aliens to take us over because they just give us money, basically. That, that same interview, he says, the real threat is that we lose our humanity. We don't care anymore about the homeless. We don't care about anything as long as we make money. Money is our god. Like, that's laying it out pretty much as cleanly yes. as like, possible. I, it's but, not like critics absolutely dismiss this movie at the time. I know there are critics who stood up for it at the time, except, yeah. you know, but, like, it is so infuriating. Now I want to like look up what like you know was like winning Oscars in 1988. Well, yeah, please do. But I found a Janet Maslin quote where she was like, "Once again, John Carpenter digging in his backyard with a plastic shovel, and gets about as deep as he always does." Like there was this attitude of like, yeah. That's why. Yeah, Working Girl, which is a movie I I enjoy watching, and actually. You know, and has a bit of a, you know, double-edged message where it's like, yeah, it's a Cinderella story where she makes it to the top and then she's just another office worker or whatever. But like, but like Working Girl is basically like, look, what you want to do is get into the big city and get that money. You know, like that's one of the big Oscar movies of this year. I, I, know, I right. feel bad dissing Working Girl now. I mean, but, I, you know. this is the same year that Rain Man wins, right? And is the highest grossing it's the film rain, this it's, year. It's the Rain Man year, yes. And I know like... That movie subverts Cruz's persona a little bit, but mm-hmm. like yeah. Cruz is the dominant movie star of this moment, and he is the opposite of this. Like he wears he the wears sunglasses, sunglasses, but right. only for yeah. aesthetic yes. reasons, and yeah. he's just like American exceptionalism in a dude who is all positivity, all success, money, you know, like status. Right. He but just wins. He believes in reptiles existing around us or ghosts or some kind of crazy shit, right? I forget the rules. <laughs> Thetans, yeah. Show some respect, okay. Thetans. They're uh, aliens that die in a volcano and their spirits haunt us. Right, okay, we're born. okay, sure. <laughs> Got it. Also learned through South Park for me, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the details of it. Um, uh, for me, I, I, I Mitch, Mitch, Mitch compared this to the Matrix, or Mitch, or Mitch brought up the Matrix rather, which mm-hmm. I, was a comparison that I didn't really like. I didn't really make the connection until this rewatched it. Is like it is kind of a similar thing. Of a, it's mm. not subtle. It's it's you know it's it's uh it, it's a message that will penetrate a teenage uh, brain. Um and uh, uh but but B, it's like. You you it, you read this comparison on redpill.net, correct, Wag? <laughs> <laughs> no, we saw it on R slash incels or whatever. Yes, yeah. Ball <laughs> cells. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like I like black pill, which is for people who tried red pill and it that it didn't work, so they went even further. <laughs> Came just full nihilist. Um so the so uh but but also that it that it's like it's ba- it's a commentary that is kind of a fantasy that our system is so cruel that American capitalism is so like vicious and just just wears people down into nubs that we have to like 
it, it, it's it's like a fantasy that this is not people doing this to each other, that there is some outside force that is causing this to sure. exist, you sure. know? Um, so it, 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 it's a similar sort of thing. And it is like the, it's one of those things where the reality is far more depressing that these mm. are just people who are just accumulating wealth and, and smothering the, the, the rest of us just because they can. Right. And the, the, these sort of like commonly agreed upon lies that we're all living our lives by, including disproportionately the people who do not benefit from those lies being upheld. The yeah. message of the Matrix, which I love and which is sort of under discussed in a way. Wait, wait but a second. Mm. You love What's the that? Matrix? I do. I fucking love the Matrix. Uh, Sims, like, Sims also Sims also gave me like a course on the Matrix the other day when I was oh. watching. I was watching. I was like half watching two, and I was like, "How? What's the deal here?" And you you waited. It oh my god! Me. Mitch rubbed yeah. Aladdin's oh, lamp, so great. and the yeah. genie came out. <laughs> I was just fucking posting walls of text. You didn't know that. what you were getting into, but you were like, I'm watching Matrix 2. This is kind of good. Am I crazy for thinking that? And David was like, <laughs> Mitch, do you want me to explain the entire movie to you? Because I can and I'm willing and I'm able. But my, my, my main thought on Matrix 2 is that it's so horny. That was it was it was hor Very wait, horny. From one to it. two, the horny the horny yeah. the horniness factor goes way up. But I always love that highway scene. The highway scene rules. Sorry, Sims, go ahead. Highway scene rules. Uh, Bunch many of keys, things about the too. Remember, Mitch? Rules. A lot of keys. Bunch of keys. <laughs> That's Ben's favorite uh, part. Yeah. At one point, Mitch mentioned the keymaker, and I was like, well, the keymaker is basically like a root kit. And Weiger was like, he said that as if that explains anything. And I realized I was, I was, I was, I was in it too deep. But. But the point of the Matrix <laughs> is... You were offering to clarify the Matrix right. reloaded. If you think about it, he's a rootkit. But, you know, <laughs> n the Matrix does not end, you know, or the, the, the point of the Matrix is not like Neo is going to be able to free everyone from the Matrix. Right. Because the point of the Matrix is, by and large, humanity is happy to accept the delusion. Like... Sure. They are presented sort of unconsciously with the choice, and 99% of them are like, yeah, that's fine. And Cypher, the character Cypher, is basically like, look, I've seen the real world, and I, plug me in. I want to go back. I don't, I don't like it. Like, I prefer this what you guys have found for me. And the, the sequels, you know, are about that, too. Like, you know, there's never going to be the triumphant thing in the Matrix of everyone will rise up and overthrow the machines. It's same with They Live. Like, most people are just happy to live in this world like they, they, they it's not bothering them like that's that's just not going to be an issue i was just gonna say it's funny to think of like joe joey pants as an actor like maybe that is him plugged back into the matrix all his roles that he's got you know what i mean like yeah right and, no he's him like, and be an actor yeah. and they're like that's yeah we'll get you two you seasons on the sopranos but you'll win an emmy and he's like sounds good <laughs> right. one one more thing can i play a pelican in racing stripes <laughs> Agent Smith like touches his ear and he's like, "Yes, yes, we can do that." Um, I, I I know this is like a uh, probably a hacky thing to say, but it it is a it is a thought that has been uh, uh, dominating my mind for for many many months now. Well, you, you got uh, the hack kings here on with you. Why okay, right? well, the kings of yeah. hacks. Um, but uh, uh, Gene Smart, of course, queen of the hacks. Um, I uh, have I've been thinking increasingly about like Matrix and this movie in particular, right? The films that are about like you get awakened to the reality of how fucked everything is, the mm -hmm. the sort of like uh, the common delusion that we're all under, 
and the sort of like grotesque machinery that we're actually being fed into. Uh, and it feels like the last uh, two years of uh, life were sort of like a sunglasses on unplug moment for a lot of things that we all kind of like knew or were trying to deny or sort of like were aware of but could not really comprehend the full uh, depth of, uh, especially just because a lot of stuff got actually put to the test. Like a lot of things sure. stopped being very theoretical and, and the practical threat of things became so much more uh, real on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I find it very hard to like take the sunglasses off now. Like I, I watch that fucking steak scene in Matrix and I'm like, it's a really good pitch, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I would love to be able to just fucking eat steak again because I just feel yeah. like I walk around the streets now and I'm just like, why isn't everyone screaming all the time? Like, Griff, I just constantly feel like I'm going crazy. Griff, this is exactly the drifter in the movie who kind of has like a suit on at the end and he's like, hey, fellas, I'd like join the aliens. That's how I feel because I do this podcast with Weiger. Weiger's kind of plays that <laughs> alien role and I'm like that drifter. That's cashing in on the on the robotic side, but it's 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 worth it. It's the, the and also that that character is that character is great. By the way, that that he's drifter great. guy, he's so he's so fun, and I love that he's like a little like like he has like a little like Bugs Bunny escape where he's like later boys, and he just disappears and he doesn't get there's no comeuppance for him at all. He just he apparently just lives. Yeah, we haven't touched on the teleporters, which just get introduced. <laughs> it's like, it's oh yeah, so great. They're that, Yeah, midway through, you can just zap out. You can just go. Boop. Yeah, but Griff. Give me that steak. I'm with you. Give me. I mean, this, yes, this was Carpenter did an interview in Esquire last October. Right. So at the fucking peak of the pandemic, arguably. And uh, they asked him uh, uh, about his his fears of unchecked capitalism. If if he is anti-capitalist because of this movie. And he said, oh, God, no. Are you kidding? I'm a happy capitalist. Happy. Someone writes me a check. I'm happy. But this right-wing conspiracy stuff, I'm not sure where it started. I have no idea what the origin of that was. I know a lot of that stuff started percolating after 9-11. I, I read the rest of that quote just because I like how much of an abrupt shift that is. But <laughs> I do I do think that speaks to like the central concern of this movie. That is, th the bleakest thing about this film is that ultimately the message is, either way you're kind of fucked. Right. Like, either you can be turned on and you can be in the right and you can be fighting for, like, freedom, you know, and helping people and, and you know, uh, standing against those who seek to oppress. But you're probably living in a fucking, like, tent city uh, yeah, well. in the margins of society. Or you, like, you fucking buy in and you, you give in to the happy life and all the creature comforts they provide for you. But you got to sort of turn a blind eye to everything that's actually going on behind the curtain. I, Damn, you know, yes. it's the, the the whole thing about selling out. Like when we were kids, I feel like selling out was still this sort of like horrifying notion, right? If you were like a cool musician or whatever, like you're not going to do a fucking ad for the gap like that's selling out. You know, you're never going to do. And then like that's just shifted and is not a notion, of, you know, anymore yeah. like that a celebrity would be uncool for selling out because yeah. I guess it's partly just this kind of like, look, man fucking while you're alive get money and just like live people love it if you right. can right, right. Why get, not? get that cares? bag there's this whole right. like when people are able to brag about getting a new record payday that people yeah, are right, celebrating exactly. them. Right, right people right. cheer 
Loki selling us cars. People don't give a shit anymore. It's bad. It is. It, people like the Marvel crossovers with fucking Hyundai or whatever the fuck. Whatever, <laughs> well, yeah, whatever they're really car good. I was going through uh, Instagram and uh, just just doing the endless like soul suck of just going from story to story to story where you stop seeing the people you follow and start just getting suggested things. And I got <laughs> one that was like uh, Brie Larson in a leather jacket standing in some like generic like, you know, Detroit uh, uh, parking lot uh, saying that she it was an ad to swipe up so you could watch the stream of the behind the scenes of the new Nissan ad she's working for. So it was like an ad for the making of an ad to come. Cool. This is, this is, why? Yeah, what what account is this? Uh, uh, Brie Larson. But it was also okay, presenting great. the vibe. This is like Brie Larson who won a fucking Oscar, you know, and is all about like sort of like empowerment, is viewed as as sort of the antichrist by all these fucking whiny nerd fanboys because they think she's the most violent feminist in the world. And then she's just on her own Instagram going like, hey, I'm really excited about this new thing we're doing with Nissan. But it's like in the guise of this is just my casual opinion. This isn't the ad. This is me just telling you my friends a thing about the making of I want you to watch for the ad I hope you eventually like yeah Griff Griff, I think I told you this but I think that any I think any A-list actor who does a commercial like does commercials for the money yes should then be brought down to the level of commercial actor (laughs) I don't think that they should be allowed to I think they have to then be brought down to like the same area where people who are putting themselves on tape for commercial jobs. Like, I don't think you can get away with both of them. It, 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 it annoys the shit out of me. Hard agree. People used to have to go to fucking Japan and be embarrassed. Yes. Right. That's the premise of Lost in Translation. Yes. It, it's, it's absurd. I agree. And it's like you're t- fucking taking jobs away from Mike Carlson. Yeah. Carlson, Carlson a payday. Carlson deserves a payday. How dare you? A loss in translation should be they should, the 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 name should be translated to get that bag now. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> do you think do, do you think they should remake Lost in Translation as get that bag? Yeah. That'd get that good. bag. With Mike Carlson. Mike Carlson should play the Scarlet role. Um do you guys know about this great. trend? I don't know if it's dipped a little, but I remember reading a article about this a couple of years ago that like teenagers will fake having sponsored content that they will like so sad buy products (laughs) and then in their do their best impression of like ad copy in their caption and then like hashtag it sponsored because social status is so tied to whether or not you have a sponsorship even at a teen level because you have these people who just like inexplicably are being paid to hawk some new water bottle or whatever. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, ad break. And we're back. So kids pretend <laughs> to do that. They pretend to care about these fucking products, but they're not even being paid to do it like we, men of integrity, are. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it just freaks me out. And it's it's like they ask the companies about this, and they're like, I don't know. It's like free publicity. What are we going to tell tell them not to sponsor us for free? That it's 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 that's that's a great point. I just what are what are they pretending to like? Uh, that's it's a very because like it's so much of what you sell is like 
like uh, antidepressant stuff or stock or boner like boner pills. pills. Yeah. So sure. it's funny for a 16 year old kid to sell ED treatment pills they, or whatever w- the fuck but they're doing. Like, it's weird that they want people to think that they've sold out. Like, that is how much the concept right, of selling right. out that, is. Well, dead. it's a sign of success. Yes, we're, sure. We're, we're, we're hugely successful. We we hawk ED pills. Did you know 25% of men over the age of 35? I can't even remember <laughs> the cop. It's something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the big brand is Parade that kids are faking. The oh, because oh, wow. yeah, it's the cool underwear. Thing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Right. Why and I keep blue, blue chew in our lips like uh, baseball players keep tobacco <laughs> or sunflower seeds? <laughs> Mitch Mitch has a pail in the corner of his screen and he's just constantly <laughs> spitting blue goo into it. <laughs> Packing another lip of blue chew. Also, he's rock hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's been such a shift. That's a, that's a, I, I don't know. It's just we're this is a system we live under. What are you supposed to do, you know? Yeah, it might be hypocritical because we hawk products all the time. I guess so, yes, but I'm saying specifically cares? when you're, but when you're a millionaire actor, if you're if you're an A-list actor, I think that you should be ashamed of it, and you should have to go to Japan, like we were saying. I'm or, glad or you just pulled back around. To I this just point. think there should be a television show <laughs> where Mitch is the judge of whether yeah. or not you should be ashamed of selling out, and that's how it I would works. love it. Yeah, yeah, I love and it. He rules on it, and then eventually, of course, the show gets so big that he has to rule on himself, and that's the grand finale. Yeah, that would be oh, that's how it ends. Right, I can't wait you're, to like, <laughs> you're gonna rip yourself a new one. <laughs> but 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 the but the the movie star thing, real quick, just to, for you know doing commercials, like that's just kind of indicative. It's a, it's a microcosm of just what's happened in the industry at large, which is a further upward transfer of wealth. And you know the the working class commercial actors of the world, uh, what used to be able to like book a McDonald's national commercial and you buy a house, right? Um. And and now it's like, well, that's actually a, a buyout for a web ad, and you're maybe going to pay one month's rent off of that. You know, it, it's insane. Uh, that that's even if you have those opportunities anymore, and, and right. you know that extends for 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 the uh, for the cruise as well. So it's it's a look. It's a bummer. Julia Louis Dreyfus. I love I love Julia Louis Dreyfus, but she never has to do a commercial ever, and should never do one. Yes, agreed. It, it's like wait, creatively, you care about this. Like no. I, I did. There's a, there's a point where I just think money becomes so abstract, and and it's a lot lower than I feel like the number that a lot of people think of. If you put sure. the glasses on though, Griffin, it says this is your god. So that's that's how to unabstractify <laughs> it. If yeah. you just want to pop that's, on the glasses, that's my favorite one. I think it's pretty it good. Is, it's pretty awesome. good, especially because. It's good. The movie's already done such a good job with the kind of like clean, simple, like, of course, this would say this, right? You know, right. And then he looks, he's like, takes a peek at the money and you're like, all right, what's it going to say? Spend, right? Like, you know, like something like that. Yeah, it's it's so great. What's the one that's like eight eight hours of work, eight hours of play, eight hours of rest? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's on a billboard. Right. Now I want to look at some of the. uh... Which for me, it's like one hour of work. 14 hours of rest <laughs> yes nine hours of play go on yes <laughs> something like um, I, I might have done my math wrong the best thing about the the money too also is that like money is so pathetic looking if it is not a dollar bill like if it's just like a rectangle of paper yeah. white paper yeah. it's just so stupid looking so right, yeah, like what the fuck is yeah. this it doesn't mean anything 
Right. right. What I what I like is the idea of there's an alien there looking at the magazine. So I'm like, is the alien looking at like obey? Like, is he just checking on? Like, is he reading? He because he's looking at the magazine, reading the magazine. Is he looking? At, is he like flipping through the pages and I love seeing obey? Yeah. Or yeah, like <laughs> right. is the, yeah. What does he see through his eyes? Agree with that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I always I, I always just thought like a lot of this was theater. A lot of this is just them pretending to yes. be like we've got to act like humans to integrate ourselves into society and ultimately take it over. Right. There's a whole other movie about them where it's like, do some of you actually like being humans? Like, why are you having sex with someone? Did you just kind of get into right. being a human? Is it all performance? Like, what's your life like? You know? Yeah, there's there's hype. There's got to be there must be alien human hybrids, too, I, that, yeah. which uh which wasn't that wasn't there a TV series? It wasn't Alien Nation. Wasn't there kind of like a Alien Nation is an alien who works with the cops. I don't think he's okay. a hybrid, but there there yeah. are certainly But Alien Nation, there's there are aliens among us, right? Like right. it's like okay. they are they are like a There's sort of no subclass. humans and aliens fucking. I mean, I'm no, sure they fuck. I don't know. I'm sure yeah, they fuck. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, do you think their nudie mags just say masturbate on every page? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the fold out, it's just masturbate, but it's, like, stretched out. It's, like, masturbate. Yeah. masturbate. And then you, you get to the final page, and it says climax. <laughs> right. And then there are a couple pages interspersed that say pretend to read this article. <laughs> uh, no, it, I, I mean, it... it it, it, I think the lack of subtlety to this movie is key because, like, I, have you guys seen Malignant? Were we talking about Malignant in the text thread? Was this why the CGI thing came up? Mitch saw it, and I, I believe loved it. I almost, I, I do, I kind of think Malignant is genius in a way. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I we, we are I, pro Malignant here. Yeah, we all like Malignant, I think. Yeah, and I do think I do, I do think Malignant is one of the movies where I'm like, oh, and it, it, a lot of his movies too, where it's just like, oh, the CGI works, and it's it's arguably again not even a scary movie. I don't want to give it away, but 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 no, it's, but it's it's, it's very entertaining. It's, right, yeah. it's not a movie that I was I went to bed being like Ugh, at all. Like I just had a fun <laughs> time. I I just yeah. Dave and I were talking about this recently, but like. Uh, I I went to see Malignant uh, in the theaters doing my duty as a ticket buying American. And then in the bathroom afterwards, there were these two young dudes and they were just like railing on the movie. They were like, he should just retire. Like, bro, you make a movie like that. You're done. You don't get to make a movie ever again. Just retire. And then the Right. You should have put on your sunglasses. <laughs> right. And then the, the other guy said, well, he can't retire because nobody even knows who he is. And I'm like, this dude's directed $3 billion movies. Yeah. He's created three of the most successful horror franchises in history. Like, but, but anyway, then the guy says, like, and it's just like watching that movie, you can tell just like no effort. Like this director put Insane. no effort into this. And it's like the, the swipe you can throw with that movie is that there's too much effort put into yes. everything like yeah. that everything in that movie is overcranked. but i think it speaks to the way that people watch things where it's like that is a movie that is fucking ridiculous and it ad- announces it's ridiculous with its opening scene where like yeah. a character there's like a quick fucking zoom into her face and she says the insane thing right down the barrel and there's like a haunted uh, hospital that looks like arkham asylum and shit like that movie's mm. telling you how to watch it And I think similarly, They Live is like, we're going to be very, very silly and broad. 
in the necessary places in terms of not mm. even beginning to answer how do these aliens function? Is this theater? Why do they do any of this? Why do these sunglasses work? You know, like mm. because it's you're getting bogged down in the shit that doesn't matter. Like he has a he wants to make something that's entertaining and the best way to make it entertaining and keep it within a, a fleet footed 94 minutes is to just yeah. very cleanly state all of your themes, right? All of your mm -hmm. interests, all of your your sort of like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, topics at, at the beginning of the movie as cleanly as possible so that you can just go along for the ride. And then I think this is a movie that people have certainly come around to. But at the time, people were like, I get it. I get it. 100%. Griff, you I mean, you that, that was very well said. I, I think... It's never really tonally confused. It, it it knows what it is, and and if you're going into it thinking it's something different, then that's that's on you. Like just like Malignant, I went into Malignant thinking it was a certain type of movie, and then as I was watching, I was like, oh, it wasn't the movie I expected at all. And I love it. It's crazy. Right. You adjust. Uh, like you you yeah. pick up on the cues of what it's telling you. Yeah. That's uh, th those those two. How old were those two kids? Because I do want to kick their asses. But... Yeah, they were in their twenties. I think you can kick their asses. I think it's fair game. You're not in like a uh, Zach Braff situation here if you go uh. after them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, but it is like I just I think it's interesting. Like I, I've seen it with other movies that have come out uh, uh, this year and in recent years or whatever. Uh, certainly movies that like David and I defend and people go like, "What the fuck are you talking about? That movie's corny." Like, we, we'll wax rhapsodic about how much we love something. And people are allowed to disagree with us. We're fucking morons. We we like what we like. Whatever, right? I'm sorry. I'm a moron. David's very smart and very big and very special. I'm a huge moron. Sorry. Go on. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, the retort I'll often hear from people who dislike a movie that we love is, are you insane? That movie's bad. It's, like, mm. badly written and stupid and bad. I, is this me on the text right. chain saying this it, to you it guys? It is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. for calling you out in this way. But, but like, I... <laughs> there are people who disagree with us eloquently. But I also see people who just clearly hit some roadblock with, like, the pitch or the tone of a movie, the broadness mm -hmm. of it, the lack mm -hmm. of subtlety to it, you right, know, whatever like, it is. How could you say that is good? It's so... You know, so obviously clicked some, like, you know, right. box in my head that's, like, not allowed... Like a movie can't do that. It, it is possible what, that you know, guys like is. old because the dialogue is bad. And the dialogue is bad because no one speaks like that in real life. That's a conclusive argument. You guys are wrong. Right. And I'm just like, well, he's not concerned with that. And if that if that like stresses you out to watch, it's too irritating for you, then that's fine. But like everything is a form of stylization, you know, right? Like hyper realism is not actually real. It is a form of stylization. And real life is weird, and oftentimes very heightened genre things are more capable of expressing an actual reality through their odd lens than a thing that's aiming to be naturalistic. And I do think, like, as we've been doing this run of these Carpenter films, this run of the last, whatever you said it was, David, 10 or 11, that it's are, 11 like... movies, basically. That, that all arguably uh, fucking uh, uh, just rule... Right. And all have only aged better with time. I do think there's something to the fact that even when like a movie like this uh, or let's say Big Trouble, which is arguably like his silliest movie, there is a sort of um, 
uh, classical style that he employs where he is so in control of tone that especially now with like an audience that's been trained on the movies that have come in the 40 years since Carpenter, you know, have been conditioned to understand how to read his movies by the filmmakers who grew up on his movies and have like continued his tropes and what have you, that his movies are very uh, easy to click into. Like they're, 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 they don't have the sort of like obvious bad overacting that a lot of like 80s action or horror movies have, you know, Mm -hmm. the dialogue is more sort of like, um, I don't know, grounded and, and emotionally Mm -hmm. rooted, you know, I, I, I mean, he stays away from a lot of cliches, things like that, that I think I'm not saying any of this is a negative against him, but it does feel like he fits into the binary of how people are able to understand genre films, which is it is presenting itself to me with a serious enough face and the exact amount of tongue in cheek that I can tolerate. I, I never, I never, I never want to break down a, like a movie for like, uh, you know, I never want to break down a movie between genders or anything like that. But do you think this is a movie that does appeal to do? Is this like a dude movie in a lot of ways, or 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 do you th- like? I, I I'm afraid of the of the bro of of the bro label on this, but I don't even think bros do like this movie. I think this is like such no, a strange. I don't think yeah. so. It's weirdly not sort of badass enough in a way or the like overall message isn't it you know this is not a movie that i ever really knew like my college buds to be into or if I, like when i think of bros i think of like you know there was just like in college like there were seven boys who lived in a house together and it was basic it was the most disgusting place in the world like <laughs> it, they, it was everything bad was there right like it was, right, yeah. it was just these seven raging hormonal 20 year old boys who like played rugby and shit and so and like they did not like throw on they live all the time like i think they right. live <laughs> is weirdly too pointed to have like that kind of fun with right like it's kind yeah. of a sort of bleak pessimistic movie it's funny and it's like uh it's clever and it's sort of witty but it's also it's kind of you know cold eyed about like you know the world we live in yeah it's yeah. it's not fight club it's maybe it's may it's sure. it's maybe it's just a little too Saints. weird yeah it's 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 just a little too weird and too offbeat and and too uh you know um too low budget feeling maybe but uh, but i i don't know like I always thought of this as this is more of like a nerd culture movie than than like yeah. a bro movie. Right. I think the greater yeah. risk is the thing we've already acknowledged, which is like the wrong type of conspiracy theorists using this sure. movie to back up their their pre existing beliefs. But but I also this movie, I believe it takes half an hour before he puts the sunglasses on. Like that's another thing that I prevent yeah. I think prevents it from becoming a toxic bro movie in that sense of like you have to watch thirty minutes of two kind of sad broken men living in Skid Row. You know, right. and like really kind of just like the everyday struggles of these guys, like being under the boot of life. Uh, and then it's 30 minutes of, you know, ostensibly him like kicking ass and taking names, but with an odd rhythm. I mean, you have him like, you know, blowing up people at this, uh, you know, bank after like yelling at people in a supermarket. But then there's a six minute fist fight out of a garbage truck. You know, and like he kidnaps a woman in the middle of that. And the last half an hour essentially is like, well, now we finally joined the resistance. But even at that point, as we've said, the whole thing is like kind of 
haunted. There's like a pessimism to what you can actually accomplish in this movie that I think, yeah, there's not a lot of winning. You're 100%. I mean, just the ending of it alone, when you think about what has happened, I, I, like I said, Keith David just gets blasted, and then and then he, then Roddy dies, and and so you're like, it is it is a bleak ending, and you're like, was that worth it? They do show the world the aliens or whatever, but even just going back to the the homeless encampment thing that Wags was talking about, that whole scene just unfolds in kind of the nightmarish way that you think it would unfold, where. They're going like a bunch of cops around like this church, and then suddenly a bulldozer just takes the turn and then t- and starts taking down this encampment. And you're like, oh no, they're taking down everything else too. It's not just about this church. It's just like it just slowly unfolds into everyone getting fucked over. Yeah. And then at the end, the the blind priest is surrounded by cops and he's fucked. And yeah. and and it's and it's just kind of like it, I thought that scene worked so well. It's just kind of hauntingly slowly fucking unfolds into a nightmare scenario and and it's yeah it's it's so difficult to watch it it's so it's so violent without being bloody uh just you know the the inhumanity behind it um and also the movie makes a point of saying that like most of the cops are human right so you know it's it's making a point about uh, you know the the this is these are a bunch of class traitors as well who are who are basically facilitating this um yeah, I don't know. I I I I really do like the point about uh, Griffin just about about how when something's earnest and unsubtle, a lot of people just rebel against that. You know, I, I see you see that in video games with Hideo Kojima, um, who you know made the Metal Gear Solid games and and yes. most recently Death Stranding, which is just like a, a just the most genius work about uh, uh about quarantine. Um, but it, it, like he's very he's very he's not subtle at all like everything's with a with a, everything's played with a heavy hand and a lot of people are just like this is stupid like this is dumb and i i don't know i i, I don't know why, where that reaction comes from i guess probably me when i was younger maybe might have had a little bit more of a cynical take towards some of this stuff but i but i i don't know i lo- i love earnestness i love uh, I, I love a, an absence of subtlety. Just, I, just, I, just I, yeah, I think some it. of it yeah. is this weird cringe culture thing of like, you know, the the, the effort is off putting to people. Sure, you know, yeah. if if you're making a point too empathetically, too loudly, whatever. But I also just feel increasingly, I just like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, is is the thing working in the way it's intended to? Am I entertained in the way it's it's attempting to? Uh, is it conveying the points to me? Do I think the points have any insight? You know, like, I don't really care how you get there. I also think the more extreme a concept is, the broader you often have to paint with a brush to just get us in the door. Sure. Because it's like, if a movie takes place in the fucking real world and it's about two people in an apartment building or whatever, you don't have to spend any time getting us adjusted to that reality. You know, if a movie's about aliens taking over, then maybe you just have to say... These sunglasses, for whatever reason, work. And if you put them on, you see the messages. And the messages are very overt. The, I mean, the other thing, though, is like, you know, the magic of John Carpenter is he makes this shit look easy, but it's not. Like, I couldn't write a 90-minute movie that got this much across and was entertaining. Like, right. but he makes it look like just sort of the simplest thing that's true of so many of these hits of his and this long run we're covering here. Like the simplicity is part of the magic, but you know, that's a skill. Like, and I would say the stuff we have coming up Griffin, 
because this mm. is the end of his run. Yeah. It does get kind of more baroque and strange and lost in its own, you know, like and we'll we'll talk about the movie specifically. It's not like they're all bad, but it is interesting how his kind of like punchiness is sort of gone come the 90s. And I'm not sure why mm. that is. I was going to say there's a shout out on the TV at the end. I think I mean maybe right maybe during oh, the right. sex scene with the aliens where he where they mentioned like the movies of George Romero, yeah, and, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the movies of George Romero, and I think he says and John Carpenter, and John right? Carpenter, like yeah. He gives himself right, a shout out, which is so yeah. getting dissed. It's like, oh, I love it's, it. yeah, all, all it's sex really and good. violence has gone too far on screen. I'm fed up with it. And and the name of that show is No Independent Thought, or that's at least what the logo <laughs> is revealed to be with the sunglasses. <laughs> what 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 if I if I had the sunglasses on and I looked at the blank check, uh, the the blank check. <laughs> On on Apple on Apple iPod uh, on what a, oh God I yeah. should know this Apple Podcasts yeah the little blank check square what would be there instead it of would say like, the one would... guy talks too much and the other guy sounds exasperated <laughs> buy dick pills <laughs> that's what it would buy say buy dick pills die buy dick pills your buy dick, dick soft <laughs> get dick I think hard. ours would just, mine ours would maybe just say manscaped wags manscaped yeah. <laughs> Doughboys yeah. would just say manscaped. Uh, I, I don't know how much I have to say on this, so I, I hesitate to even bring this in as a big subject. But I do think it's interesting, this movie, uh, in relation to uh, Prince of Darkness, which I don't know if, if you Doughboys have seen, uh, but was the episode right before this for us. I've never seen it. I've um, seen it. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Is a movie that takes place almost entirely in the basement of a church where they realize this, like— tube that they've been this giant cylinder that they've been uh devoting uh their life and and generations of uh, clergymen to protecting is actually contains the antichrist like it contains the antimatter that is the opposite of god oh yeah it does um and that's a movie about like the institution of you can say a church but like the church uh upholding this thing that they actually realize is is wrong you know, they're protecting the wrong thing. They have no understanding of what they're actually building their life around. But it is a movie that also, in, in its own weird way, confirms the existence of a higher power, uh, which is sort of surprising for Carpenter because he seems like a largely agnostic guy. Um, and then this movie, oddly, is like has this incredibly positive church in it. You know, mm -hmm. this this sure. thing that is right. seen as very like a, suspicious. a socially redistributive church. Like, well, right, you know, what, why what, are people what? going into this basement? And it's socially redistributive, right. but also it's like they're the ones who are correct. They are the only people who have the right message and are spreading it and are doing something about yeah. it and are helping society and helping the downtrodden. They're just interesting films to be right next to each other, especially I, considering I, they were, like, funded in the same way from the same company. The I same agree time. that that's interesting, and I also think if you said that to John Carpenter, he'd be like, I don't know, it's just yes. easy to get churches to build <laughs> yeah, in them. No, that's asking <laughs> questions. I, I don't have any larger takeaway from what, his feelings are, but it's interesting right. that these two movies are next to each other. That's all I want to say. Box office. No, game. it's interesting. This is a great box office game, Griff. Great. We've never okay. talked. It's a, it's just a weird one, guys. If you don't remember, we're gonna uh, talk about the week this movie came out, which was November fourth, nineteen eighty-eight. Been doing this show for almost seven years now. It's so nice when we get a clean box office game we've never got. It's before. a clean one, Griff. It opened number one. Wow. It opened that. number one. Yeah. It's so. Bizarre to think about this movie no opening number one in 1988 as Reagan is finishing his second term and George H.W. Bush is about to like fucking win 40 states. 
Absolutely and this, this movie that's just so harshly critical of Reaganism is like tops of the box office. How many confused parents must have been in the audience? <laughs> right. Well, like, I don't know. It's like a movie with a wrestler holding a gun shooting at aliens. Like Right. Right. They're going that's in what it says on the a simple fun time. I mean, right. Sure. This movie was not a huge success or anything, but you know, cost three million bucks, made like thirteen. So like, you know, everyone's happy, I think, yep. basically. Um, which is so it's funny to and think. And big that, home video you know. hit. I mean, which is the whole point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they live. Number one is new wow. this week. Another movie okay. that's new this week is a concert movie, a notorious concert movie. Opening Fuck. number two. Is uh, it which is go ahead. Madonna Truth or Dare? No, it is a concert movie that kind of ruined the band's reputation. It was kind of like when they jumped the shark a little bit and they had to like sort of retreat for a while and get, have a big comeback album after this. But like, this is when everyone got sick of them. Um, it's a band I like. Uh, ben thinks I'm lame for liking them. Uh, they are absolutely <laughs> oh, king, kings of the 80s. I mean, huge 80s band. They're an 80s band that you love and Ben thinks you're a dork. What is it, Ben? Well, I'll give you a hint. They have beards, but all, but not all of them. No, it's not ZZ Top, Ben. <laughs> as much as you do like to wow. rag on me this for liking ZZ Top. ZZ Top stinks, right? Mitch? Two episodes. <laughs> Nick, you've how dare you? Incorrectly how identified you? ZZ Top. Oh, my Top. God. Come out of there. That's like some tired-ass dad rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You play like, your dad. In a parking lot with your fucking hot rod. Ben, I am a tired Sounds ass fantastic. Dad, exactly. Yeah, he's a dad. He doesn't sleep. All right. All right. Ben, don't put down my t- doppelgangers like that. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> if both the ZZ Top guys move, merged into one person, you get Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, is, is it Kiss? It's Did not Kiss, Kiss have a concert movie? It's an 80s no, band I mean, that's kind have. of fucked up their reputation. They had to come back from this. All right, well, I'll say this, and it, it begins with the uh, the lead singer. Uh, it begins, I think, or one of the, well, I'm not sure if it's the absolute first song, but they do a cover of Helter Skelter, and the lead singer says, like, Charles Manson took this song from the Beatles, and we're taking it back, which people hated, because it was wow. annoying of him to say the that. The fuck is this? And this was a big hit? Um, well... I mean, for I guess for a concert movie, it did pretty good because like oh you know. oh 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 this is the fucking it's the fucking U two movie right? It's oh, Rattle and Hum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rattle oh, and Hum. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And U two wow. stings, so that's why. Yeah. Got yeah, it. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Rattle and Hum is absolutely U2's first like apex where people are like, enough sure. of these guys. Like they're up their own ass. And they come, you know, then they, they have to kind of wow. like, you know, retreat. And when they come back, they're sort of like have their tails between their legs. And like, we know we got a little too, you know, it's okay. We're, we're back, you know. But uh, Rattle and, and Hum, that's number two. And then later forced everyone to download their album. <laughs> they didn't force it to download it. It was just, just there. Appears. Just one day it was <laughs> right. there. Yeah. I was I was okay. I was okay with that because I was like, who cares? It's like, it's just a free out. And then. Now that it's the year 2021 and I in and, and like raised by wolves or whatever the fuck comes up, I'm like, I don't want to raise by wolves. It's not the best album. <laughs> I think someone album. actually took the time to email us the other day suggesting that we do a Phil Jeannot miniseries. 
director of Rattle and Hum, Three O'clock wow. High, and Gridiron really? Game. Yes, you're right. Someone actually did. Wow. I forgot. Someone emailed yeah. that to us. Well, number three, Griffin, is a mm-hmm. sports film that I've never heard of. Hmm. Uh, what so sport? I'm guessing you maybe it's football. It's a football movie. Fuck. Okay. Uh, it's about a college football hero who, you know, goes pro and has sort of ups and downs and a big love story. It has a really stupid title. It's directed by Taylor Hackford. It's not necessary. It's kind of a flop. It's not that. No. It's not the Anthony Michael Hall one, is it? No. I can tell you the star of this movie if you wish to know. I do wish to know. It's Dennis Quaid. Ooh. And then the other stars of this movie are Jessica Lange and John Goodman. Is it called All American something? It's called Everybody's All American. Yeah. Wow. That okay. sucks. Yeah. It sounds <laughs> really title. bad. Yeah. This yeah. is a movie it seems like no one really liked. Yeah, that eats butt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but weird, right? That's like a classic yeah. box office game thing. We just don't know that. Yep. Okay. Number four at the bad? box office. Is he uh, is- bad now? I don't know. Depends on your demographic. We're 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 ZZ Top Dad Rock here, so we're anti ass eating. <laughs> so scared it, of buds. Yeah. It's just yeah. too, it's too unsubtle for me. I don't understand the tone of eating ass. <laughs> <laughs> I have come here to chew bubble gum and eat ass. <laughs> and I'm all out of ass. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of gum though. Also, maybe do one or the other. You don't want bubble gum stuck in a butt. It's yeah, a space bad those out. <laughs> space those out for sure. Um. All right. Number four, Griff. Number four, Griff, is an Oscar-winning film this year. Um, It wins a big Oscar. uh, The only Oscar it's nominated for, in fact. It's a drama, a legal drama. It's a legal drama. It wins Mm -hmm. a big Oscar. The one, it's not Wall Street, is it? Not Wall Street. Mm. Very, very serious. Kind of an issues drama. Uh, It's on a topic that I think Hollywood had not really, you know, gotten into very much. Interesting. Subject Hollywood had not really covered before. No. Very serious. Is it The Accused? It's The Accused. Okay. It's, which wow. is one of those movies where you're like, is that a good movie? And it's like, eh, it's okay. It was just kind of a, you know, you had to be there big moment movie. You know, I, like. I think it, right. another example of a movie that's legacy is mostly now it being recreated shot for shot on South Park. <laughs> what? Is it? Really? They d- they do the fucking the assault scene from the accused. Oh my god! Really? I thought with, you were joking. No, with George Lucas. It's an episode about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and oh the my idea god. of blank filmmaker raped my childhood in quotes. Uh, okay. Dear Lord, I thought it was. Wow. I thought you. Were, I thought that was, that's insane. How much did those guys just get to do more South Park? Did they just get like a billion dollars? Right. Got like yeah, an yeah. island or something. Yeah, yeah they got it. They just got two islands. The accused. The craziest thing about the accused. Jodie Foster second build behind Kelly McGillis. Yeah, you know? that's why I, I even, always yeah. in my mind thought she won supporting, but yeah, she she won lead. But it was I think it was sort of for her. It was like the the graduation moment yeah. from child star to adult star. Yeah, he, anyway. hearing all these other hearing all these other movies makes me think like how wasn't how does they live feel like kind of like a like video store hidden gem or USA up all night hidden gem. 
because all these movies sound awful. Like all the other movies <laughs> yeah. sound terrible. It, it, it's a kind of shitty week. It's like, yeah, what yeah. do we go see? Rattle and hum. Ugh. I guess I'll see the Roddy Piper movie. Okay. Right. <laughs> I was surprised that Rattle and Hum opened at number two, but now I'm surprised it didn't open at number one. Almost. <laughs> right. Like no all disrespect right, num- to They Live, but yeah, go on. Number five was number one the previous week, which is kind of crazy. Big drop. Uh, It's a horror sequel Hmm. um, to in a big franchise, but it's sort of uh, a a bit. You know, it's 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 going back to what worked. Oh, so it's not a two. It's a. Mm -mm. Uh oh 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 oh! Is it Halloween four? It's Halloween 4, The Return wow. of Michael. How apropos. The first one Carpenter doesn't work on. Carpenter's out. He knocks him out of the number one position. That's true. Uh, the beginning of the Thorn trilogy in, in the Halloween series, which is now being roundly yeah. ignored in the new Halloween series that is in theaters I can't wait now, to see, basically. I can't wait to see Lenny Clark die in the new one, though. I, I saw the trailer there. I was like, oh, Lenny Clark. Is Lenny Clark going to get it? Is he skinny I, I, still? I would guess he... so. I think he's. I think he's in between. Yeah. I think he's uh-huh. somewhere. I think he's somewhere in between what what he once was and what he and his thinnest probably. Right. Um, I finally watched Halloween too. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and knock them all out in this month of October. Oh, you wow. watched like the the original Halloween too. I like, watched. Uh, I, right. yeah, yeah. I watched Halloween two one. <laughs> right, God, not, not the var- various other attempts at a sequel to Halloween, basically. Right. Uh, what do you think? It's got that uh, that hot it. tub sequence, which is bananas. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. solid, very solid. It's solid. It's solid. Yeah, it's I solid. liked it. I'm gonna watch them all. I'm gonna watch uh, a season of The Witch uh, next. I also Hell did yeah. track down a, a Blu-ray box set of all the Puppet Master movies, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through. Wow, that. you're doing I, a whole. I've been October. getting into the Puppet Master. I've decided I'm gonna watch them all, even the Nazi ones. <laughs> do you know that like doll horror was like the thing that did scare me so much as a hey, kid mitch you and i are very very alike in that sense he's in a pot on that yeah, yeah. chucky i've told a story on doughboys where i thought mickey mouse grabbed my arm nick went i've heard yes, the story many great times story. <laughs> yeah great, great but, story. Uh, but but just any <laughs> chucky and the puppet master dolls like any small little you know doll creature that came to life that scares the shit out of me you know i just realized i almost went through the episode without doing this but merchandise spotlight i forgot i had these dolls right here on my desk look at that wow look oh, at that yeah, those are yeah they fuck i love that sweater keith david's got that's a yeah, great sweater look. this came with the blu-ray when you got it from shout factory have them come alive i'd be fine with that yeah right <laughs> Um, some other movies, Griff, in the top ten. I just want to shout out. New this week is The Good Mother, the Leonard Nimoy uh, directed oh. Diane Keaton like family court drama. Like just to continue the sort of like this is a lot of shit at the box office. Yeah, prequel to The Good Son. Do you guys know what the premise prequel of that movie is? <laughs> what is we, the pre- we need to wrap I, up I this know. episode? But I'm going to say it really quickly because we when we did the Star Trek Patreon, I was like, "What are the other movies Leonard Nimoy directed?" And then I I right. fell down this rabbit hole of how bizarre his other films are outside of the Star Treks and uh, Three Men and a Baby. The Good Son, I believe, is about Diane Keaton is divorced. Her boyfriend. I'm sorry. Good mother. That's my fault. Diane Keaton is divorced. Split custody. Yep. Liam Neeson yep. is her current boyfriend. There are yep. two incidents. One where the daughter gets into bed with them after they've been having sex and they're naked and spends the night in bed with them. They don't have sex next to the daughter. That Right. The, the other one is that she... And the other one, she walks into the bathroom and asks if he can see his penis while he's peeing or something. 
She d- asks if she can touch his penis and right. he lets her. While he's Dear peeing. Liam Neeson? Like, I believe she she sort of, uh, you know, just kind of gives it a little right. pat. But, the uh, kid's yes, like four yes. or five or something. Well, and then it's the, Liam the, Neeson's dick. It's probably 85% of the room. Like, it's hard not to touch <laughs> it. The second she wa- opens the door, she's touching his right. dick. <laughs> but this is the premise of this movie is the daughter repeats these anecdotes to her father and the father sues the mother saying like, this is a sexually yeah. abusive childhood. And Liam Neeson's like, I'm Irish. We do things differently. And the whole movie becomes about the ethics of like, why the fuck did Leonard That's Nimoy insane. make this it movie? Insane. I think it's like based on a book. It sounds completely. It, this is the whole thing about the eighties. Hollywood is so weird in the eighties. Can like, you just imagine working like fourteen-hour days for months filming that movie, being like, "We really need to say this. It Nisa needs to be like, spoken. This will be my breakout. Yeah. I can't wait." A kid touches my dick in this one. What? <laughs> it's, like, oh, God. it's like an issues drama. It was meant to be an Oscar movies, play, Griff. and all the critics were just flummoxed by it. Yeah, okay. Other. I movies. just got to round this out. Mystic Pizza, which is a great movie that I rewatch wow. all the time. A and classic. a pretty good frozen pizza. Yeah. Griff, we should go there. So, oh, yes. I, oh, I want to go to Mystic Pizza so bad. Um, there's also Punchline. Uh, the yep. Tom Hanks and Sally oh, Field yeah. stand-up comedy movie, yeah. which I've never seen. Uh, there's Gorillas in the Mist, another Oscar-y movie of the year. And at number 10, Mitch, Alien Nation. Wow. wow. There you go. There it is. How about that? I just wanted to get to that one. That's wild. Yeah, so there you go. Gor- yeah. Gor- Gorillas in the Mist, was that nominated for some? They had some. Uh, Sigourney oh, was nominated for All Best right. Actress. And, and, and I think Stan have... Winston? Not Stan Winston, Rick yeah, Baker. Well, uh, yeah, it was nominated for five Oscars uh, actress, writing, sounds, film editing, and music. This was Not the... Rick Baker. Rude. Oh, that's insane. Uh, this was the year that Sigourney got two nominations uh, the same right. year and then never was nominated ever again. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. Right. It's the end of her right. Of right. Her run is like Because Aliens is the year star. before this. So she gets like best uh, it's actress. Like two years before this. Yeah, then the yeah. following year she gets best actress and supporting actress nominations. She seems like she's inevitable. Uh, almost forty years later, no more nominations. Has Very she never strange. won an Oscar? No. Never won an Damn. Oscar. Uh and that's, that's the year she probably should have won one of those two. And yeah. she lost uh, supporting actress is the weird one. She lost to Gina Davis. Sort of a weird one. She probably should have won there. Anyway, uh, for she Beetlejuice, split the vote against herself. Uh, no, for the won accidental tourist. She is amazing in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What if Sigourney wins for Avatar four? Oh, what if can. that's the one? Does. That's the one where she's really got a meaty role. The tree as the tree. I hope she's playing yeah. that fucking tree, Mitch. I've talked about this a lot. I hope she's playing that fucking tree. She has being, to be playing the tree. They keep on being cagey about her involvement in the film, and I'm like, if she's not playing the tree, I'm gonna fucking riot. <laughs> <laughs> she died, we'll and they tried to theaters. revive her with the tree. She we'll should be play in the theaters, tree now. Griff. Yeah. We'll see the first shot of her face in a tree, and yeah. you're just gonna start pumping your fist. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm gonna go John Nada in that whole movie theater. <laughs> chew bubblegum. Oh, That's what oh, I mean. Boy. I'm gonna chew bubblegum. No. I'm gonna sit in my Good. seat calmly and chew bubblegum. Uh, that wouldn't Mitch. have been that crazy within the movie for that to happen. I I, I want to point out a, a, a lighter moment that happens is when oh, 
because it was just a moment that I loved, and I didn't get to say it is when 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 he and Keith, Keith David are fighting, and he breaks the window to the car, and then he starts laughing, and it's like such a great moment when when yeah, he like apologizes to him, yeah, right? He, yeah, he's like laughing, and yeah. he's like sorry, and then and Keith David's all pissed off because he broke the the car window, but it's a great moment. Sorry, I just had it. I, I had like to when they laugh. There. No, it is a, it's a nice little moment, and the the, the human stuff. That's why this stuff works. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. They live. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having and us. Thanks for having us. I, I, an absolute delight. Yeah, it was would, delightful. Would love to ha- love the excuse to rewatch this movie and talk about it mm-hmm. uh, with the two of you. We're really always going to lure you guys um, in with good movies. That's how we'll get you. Yeah, that's how I we trick it. you anytime. Offer you really good movies. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna and we're gonna make you uh, eat airport chilies. <laughs> talk about it, so. What? Fine. I'll get in my car, and drive to JFK. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, real, real quick, I think I can speak for all of us. Uh, just you know, we're we're in the the wake of the IATSE yeah. uh, vote mm. and mm-hmm. uh, solidarity with everyone there. Um, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. hope that hope hope that all works out for everyone. Very thrilling yeah. moment. Yeah. The, just both yeah. the both the, the uh, vote, but the turnout as well. Very exciting. Amazing yeah. turnout I mean, for a union yeah. that size. It's also it's just one of those things. Uh, I I had always been somewhat resigned to that being a fundamental evil of the industry. It felt like it was impossible that anything could be changed, and it's a yeah. thing that's been getting worse and worse and worse by the year. And I uh, I think it's one of the rare examples of. Uh, uh, the the pandemic finally causing a breaking point that uh you know right. made people stand up and refuse to take it anymore. Um, yeah. and I'm I'm optimistic about that. If yeah, nothing maybe else in the world good right things now, things ahead. No, yeah, I'm nothing optimistic else is about good. things. No, nothing I'm optimistic. Good. That's the one good thing. Yeah. I had to strike <laughs> no. solidarity. What about my my beautiful daughter? She's she's a good thing. Griffin Bendis. She's going to save us all. Exactly. Yeah, she's good. By the way, is she dressing up as the boss baby for Halloween? <laughs> absolutely not but what my if i send you a little suit in- what if, if i send you a little intent. suit no no my, my, my wife is very intent on dressing up for halloween it's but it, like she, if I she is all over that hand deliver a little suit and it is tailored <laughs> to her exact measurements and it's a she's good growing suit. every day this is then uh, i'll have it's to send to- in new measurements day of <laughs> um no, I, 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 my, one of one of my neighbors works on a an uh, an Emmy winning show. Well, I shouldn't give too much away, but they wanted to cut the uh, the the they wanted to cut the the budget for the department that she works in by one third. Um, uh, Emmy winning show Christ. the next season, and which is bananas. just insane. Oh, yeah. It's just people trying to yeah. save money. So I'm 100 percent back IATSE. I just wanted to make it clear. Because I was silent on it, that I wasn't some weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will say uh, the the tick won negative Emmys, and our second season the budget was cut by forty percent, and that uh, absolutely insane. was made up for only yeah. in sweat equity. Like it was uh, right. insane. It it physically broke me, uh, and I had it easier than a lot of people who worked on that show. Um, so yes, uh, solidarity with Ayatsi, solidarity with the Doughboys. It's the best podcast yes. in the universe. And how did wow. this get played? God I was just you. on. I was just on. Uh, how did this get played? But Doughboys, of course. Sims was on. Yep. Uh, discussing uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street NES game. So uh, check that out. Yeah, yeah frustrating. It is a little frustrating. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it not like bad. A shitty but, game. Oh, you didn't yeah. mind it. All right. It's a rare, isn't it? Yeah. Rare. It's rare. Yeah, rare, rare developed. 
Um, and uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media, uh, AJ McKeon and Alex Barron for our, our editing, Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song, JJ Birch and Nick Loriano for uh, research. God, this list gets longer and longer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna pull it off. Uh, uh, I said Joe Bowen, Pat Rounds for our work. I did. I did I go through them yeah, all. You said it now. Said I it said now. it now. Yeah. Go to blankiesdiaryat.com for some real nerdy shit, and go to Patreon.com/slash/blankcheck for blank check special features where we're doing all the mummy movies. Uh, Brendan Fraser wow. mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise. Uh, all the modern <laughs> mummy. Wow. Universal films. Wow. Modern mummies. Indeed. We're doing the modern mummies. It's the MM uh, series. Uh, and uh, tune in stuff. next week for uh, <laughs> Memoirs of, a, of an Invisible Man. It was nice while it lasted, mm-hmm. John Carpenter. Yep. This is it. The cliff. What a run. Uh, and as always, just to leave us on this final note, when asked if Shepard Fairey ever reached out to him directly, Carpenter responds... No, no, he didn't ask me either. The shit. He owes me money. No, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> My mom might bring me a chicken Caesar wrap in the middle of this, by the way. Like in like half an hour. And we have to talk about it if that happens. <laughs>